0: the silence of your room, in the darkness of your dreams, you must only think of me. There can be no in-between, when your pride is on the
1: floor. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I'll I am Aaron, this as always, this is... Abe, hello! Aaron, how are you? I'm I'm doing well. You're doing, however, okay. I I have something to, to talk about. <laughs> oh, another movie theater mishap? No, but movie related to what we're going to talk about. So let me uh-huh. finish this intro, and then we'll get back to this. <laughs> but how are you doing?
2: I am doing well. Thank you for asking. The weather has been kind to us, but I think it's supposed to be super hot this coming week in the That's Bay. Area. Yep. yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, we don't have a lot of air conditioning out here. Uh, so I, I look forward to just um, sitting in the in the dark during work. What is not a lot of air conditioning? Like you have some? I think, no, <laughs> I, I think a lot of homes don't have any air conditioning. Got it. Yeah, yeah. Because like the that. the temperature is always in pretty, you know, 60s, 70s throughout the entire year in the Bay Area. But, you know, these hot summer months, uh, not great. And a lot of newer homes probably have air conditioning, central air conditioning, but... Not, not, uh, not where I live. Not, nah, not in the old uh muakasa. Apparently, <laughs> that's that's what I call it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you.
1: Mc Mc squared is because you have because it's two stories. Um, I wish it was two stories. <laughs> no, <laughs> you really not. call it. You could call it Mc squared. It'd be great. <laughs> so when you do move into a two story place, then we'll that would be it. called yeah muakasa yeah. two squared. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. uh, Out Now is a film podcast where air to discuss new movies weekly. However, every now and then we have these special bonus episodes, whether it's one of our fun commentary tracks, some thoughts on news of the day, or something completely different. This is a hodgepodge episode. Yeah. This is a, a recap of recent releases and more because, hey, we're in between giant film releases and we want to get some other stuff uh, to t- in to talk about. Uh, among other things, Abe was unfortunately not here with us last week to talk about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, so I really right, sure yeah. want to hear his I was actually
2: on the trip with Indiana Jones. That's why I couldn't make it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And when he arrived, you were just like Bandera. You're like, Indy!
2: yeah, I was like, my leg is missing because that one trip we had in Madagascar.
1: <laughs> a lot of similarities. <laughs> uh, we're but both yes, Spanish. We, we do. <laughs> famously. Uh, we both <laughs> intend to talk about Indiana Jones a little bit more, including some spoiler stock. So stay tuned for that. Yes. But we do have a few other uh, new releases. We have uh, Joyride and Insidious the Red Door. Uh, that we're going to make some comments on as well. So just a lot of stuff overall to go over. But first, let's go over some show notes. Um, I didn't forget my story. I have a story to go. go <laughs> over. Um, oh, believe me, we're all on the edge of our seats. I, I'm sure you are. First up, commentary tracks. It's now July. Uh, new month means a new commentary. And the theme of this summer's commentary tracks has been Superhero Summer. We talk about superhero movies that are uh, celebrating various anniversaries or what have you. Uh, we talked about X Two back in May. We talked about The Mask of Zorro last month, and we're going to talk about The Dark Knight for its fifteenth anniversary this month. Uh, which, uh, you know, I, it's just surprising that no one's ever had an opinion on this film before. So we're finally going to like put the record. I, mean, straight on the Dark Knight.
2: I watch a lot of movies, Aaron. I've never even heard of this movie. I yeah, it, it was this secret sequel that came out between yeah.
1: Batman Begins and The Dark Knight Rises. I it was heard always that weird it was like to me.
2: very indie. Universal is very. Is it Universal? Never been <laughs> Universal ever for Batman. Yeah. It's no. Warner Brothers.
1: <laughs> yeah. I was like,
3: wait a minute.
2: I'm ruining this joke myself. All right. Keep going. <laughs> oh, yeah. Keep going.
1: <laughs> it was always weird they called it The Dark Knight Rises. And it's like, that seems like a lot of words for a, for a movie <laughs> chapter. But all right. Uh, but no, we do plan to talk about The Dark Knight. That's gonna should be a lot of fun. Um, so, yeah, stay tuned for that commentary, which can be found on iTunes, where you can find all the other episodes of our podcast. And uh, you can also give us a rating or review. It should be great. Thank you so much in advance. Yeah. All right. Let's go over the 11th annual Summer Movie Gamble. Let's do it. Of course, Abe and I, along with many friends of the show, are all part of the Summer Movie Gamble, where we predict the top 10 highest grossing films of the summer at the domestic mm-hmm. box office. It's a, a, a very heated affair. Uh, lots of name calling being thrown back and forth, mainly by Marcus to himself um for making the wrong place as usual but uh you know we're we're all very concerned with what's going to be happening by the end of this summer as far as which films made the most money and as of now uh spider-man across the spider-verse has launched itself into first place It is a ahead of guardians of the galaxy volume three wow uh yeah it's making all that money I, I'm honestly very curious what could possibly top Spider-Man at this point. We still have a Mission Impossible. We still have a Barbie. We still have an Oppenheimer. I have doubts about all three of those, actually. Right. Six, oh, overlapping the $357 million and climbing gross that Spider-Man has so far. And I'm also wondering, why do we not pick Spider-Man to be number one? It's Spider-Man. Who would have thunk <laughs> it? <laughs> this this should have been obvious, as yeah. always. Um, not number one is Indiana Jones of the Dial of Destiny, which went to second place this weekend. Okay uh make another 26 million uh, after its 60 million opening it has 121 so far domestically um not it, not bad it's not bad it's a, it's yeah. not great for the great, given, but given not, the budget of that movie and certainly not for Brandon Peters uh, who picked it to be the number one film of the summer. Yeah. Um, it's a little surprising given that Insidious the Red Door, which we'll talk about soon, made $32 million in the first place, which is uh ahead of projections for that film. The film mm-hmm. famously uh, only you know the Insidious franchise, I mean it's a horror franchise in general. You don't expect them to cost much money. Mm-hmm. Insidious way back in the day cost a million and point five dollars. Yeah. This will cost 16. So it's already doubled its budget alone. Sure. Um, that's very good for the fifth entry in the Insidious franchise, a series that has basically been dormant since I think two thousand eight. Dormant, good pun. Um, didn't try that, but there we go. <laughs> um, so uh, it's on my yeah.
2: it's on my dark horses. I good. Yeah. So <laughs> like, like, maybe that maybe would, that'll be a point there.
1: you will need to make a chunk more money to like land at number ten. Maybe I don't know at this point, given how many right. movies are underperforming this year. But uh, certainly a, a nice sizable chunk of money for a movie like this. That yeah. was. Somewhat unexpected.
2: Uh can I make a comment real quick? Yeah. I've been looking at our uh I, I look at our stuff every week and I'm also plotting the the uh box office numbers on my own chart. And uh Aaron, I just wanna be the first to congratulate you on winning the summer summer box office. Am games. I doing good? <laughs> I think you're doing pretty well. I I looked at your like number one, two, three, four, and I was like, I think he's got this in the bag. <laughs> we'll see. I that don't get my hopes up. Yeah, I, yeah, I, no, no, like, no. I, I, I just I want wear to be recorded and publicly announced. Well, that I am picking you, sir. Well, I, I appreciate that. That's surprising for
1: me to hear. But I will say something like Elemental, uh, which had us, you know, didn't have a great start. But, uh-huh. you know, the drops aren't very, really big. So it's made another nine million. It's had 109 so far. You, um, you know, for a movie that opened under Flash by like half the money, it's still it's made more than Flash has made domestically so far. Yeah. So... Uh, speaking of which, The Flash is out of the top 10, by the way. Wow. Uh, just to keep that relative, Elemental, number four. The Flash, 12th. Um, Asteroid City, Wes Anderson's movie, made more money than The Flash at the box office this weekend. Wow! Um, Asteroid Sorry, City, by the way. Sorry, what's The
2: Flash's cumulative? Flash is at 105 domestic. 105, okay.
1: Yeah. it it it's been lo- It's bleeding screens because, yeah. of course, it is. Um, it has 261 worldwide, by the way, which is, that's money. It's not a lot that's, given how that's much a lot that, lower
2: than i thought yeah
1: like both this and indy need to clear like 500 billion to be profitable
3: uh-huh
2: so uh, you know we'll, we'll see you know indy. who's laughing at their house uh in the dark hmm. Vin diesel <laughs> he's just like i might not have made a lot domestically but have you seen my global gross i mean the flat the fast x is it's out of it's like out of the top
1: 15 at this point right. it's at 145 domestic 721 worldwide yeah. so i mean you know it, it has its audience as far right. as that goes um. What else? Transformers still doing better than all of us expected. Like most of us have it, if not in the you know last place spot mm-hmm. in the dark horses, and it's at one forty six. Wow. Uh, domestic okay. four hundred worldwide. By the way, like people like transformers, and it's been a minute. Yeah. <laughs>
3: like
1: I mean,
2: and it also has like two kinds of transformers in this one too. Yeah, it's so. got yeah the beasts and the and the other ones. Yeah. Um. <laughs> that's what they call themselves. That's the, the other ones.
1: one, yeah, the other ones. <laughs> uh, but the no, what yeah, I mean the the fl- the last night uh famously bombed um as far as the michael bay transformers are going sure. but, but you know you take something away. the thing about transfer you know you take it away for a while you bring it back it's like yeah all right i'll see one of these again like that's right, right. and it, you know it had an agreeable enough premise beast wars and what have you so it's doing mm-hmm. its job yeah. little mermaid at number nine 289 million world, uh domestic uh five two eight nine that's pretty good 289 yeah, yeah it's doing doing quite well it's still what like number three i believe behind guardians okay. and spider-man um, again, we'll see where this goes next week. Right. I'm very curious where Mission Impossible is going to land, and of course, we're all curious where Barbenheimer is going to end up. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, by the way,
2: Ruby Gilman, Teenage Kraken, 11 million. Um, sorry, Jay. <laughs> not great, Bob. That is also my dark horse, but you know, sorry. Have uh, you seen that? Yeah, it's yeah. bad. Oh, <laughs> it's, is it? It's
1: It's not oh. good. Yeah, all it's. Right. Uh, it, it felt, like... I said this last week, so I won't to repeat too much. But it felt like a step back for DreamWorks after Bad Guys and Puss in Boots last week. Got question. it. Okay. So, yeah. um, and it has a disappointing Kraken fight, which is like you got Krakens. I mean, mm-hmm. give them a cool catchy fight, and they didn't give me that. Um, so
2: yeah. All right. So that's that's enough should box have had office to the tour directed.
1: I mean, it, or at least advice on it, like he used to do back in the day. <laughs> that would have been great. Yeah, yeah. it would have helped.
2: <laughs> um, doesn't hurt it. Yeah.
1: That's enough box office talk. So the arm <laughs> movie gamble continues. <laughs> Um, again, I'm so curious what Tom Cruise is going to do next weekend. Like, I, I want to see what's what going to happen there. Have you seen uh, that already? Yeah. Okay. It it, ha- it has stunts and stuff in it. Save your thoughts. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Tom Cruise runs and uh, does things. Oh shit! I didn't know he runs. <laughs> I, I know they I really try to hide that from you. Um, all right. Enough of that for now. Uh, let's move on. Let's let's get into some dog cookies. back. Wait, you know what? Sorry. Yes. Let me stop yeah, the story? The story I was going to tell you. Oh, I got okay. caught up in Tom Cruise running in Krakens, as I do. Uh, so... I mean, Tom
2: Cruise is going to fight a Kraken in part two, probably.
1: Oh my god, I'd see that. That'd so be incredible. Quickly. Oh my god. Well, do remember? It, well, I mean, if you recall, Tom Cruise was Guillermo Del Toro's call for uh, Pacific Rim, um, initially before I, I don't um,
2: remember this actually. He <laughs> this was he,
1: before Idris Elba because because he and Guillermo were trying to work on Mountains of Madness. Uh-huh. Uh, that was like their big thing, but it was because it was going to be too expensive and R rated. It was like this is going to work out, but yeah. Cruz and Del Toro still pal, So he's like, hey, oh. maybe we can make this Pacific Rim thing, Rim thing work. Didn't work out obviously, but that what he was going to play the Idris Elba character, initially, uh-huh. which makes a see lot that of sense. Even though that movie's framework is Top Gun, but with giant robots, like sure. yeah, that would I think have.
2: they're called Yeagers.
1: I, don't don't try to tell me <laughs> <laughs> whether
2: or not I know the terms. Like Guillermo del
1: Toro's out here on Twitter teasing the 10th anniversary of *Piston* <laughs> *The Grim* right now, and I'm like Gypsy Danger Dance he's, Party. Yeah, Let's see he's
2: them. so kind to himself. He's like 60 pounds lighter. I'm like Guillermo, don't be so mean to yourself. You're you're a great guy. Okay, so this story. <laughs> yes, hit it. <laughs> All right. So I was playing disc golf today, this morning, as
1: I do. Mm-hmm. Yes, you do. Um, and I got there. I was on the first hole. and There's a group ahead of me, a group of four guys. Okay. Uh, they play. They go to the next hole. I play. I'm one person. So I walk. I get up to, like, they're, like, already teed off on the second hole, and they're kind of walking past me. And I, yeah. I, I give, like, a what's up. Um so, like they're, now they're past me and I'm waiting at the T on the second hole now this hole it it curves around a corner so you can't see the hole you okay. just kind of like you gotta know where it is
2: yeah um so as I'm waiting sorry does that mean they flick your wrist or are you just trying to get it straight and then two shots kind of thing
1: uh it depends on how good of a frizz player you are wow want play, or okay a disc golf player I I, I mean the, the disc all trap it's it's, r- it's rare to get it to go straight than actually have it curve. if, they, okay. if they go, got but, it but but you know you, the, when you're good at disc golf you know how to you know where it's gonna curve okay Uh, regardless I'm waiting at the second tee um, for the for the group ahead of me to pass and I'll know I will know they pass because the third tee I can see it from where I'm standing so I can if like once they're done they'll walk over to that tee so I'll see it so I'm waiting there a while and they don't come and Mm -hmm. I'm like what's going on like I saw them starting to pick up and do their second shots so I'm like okay I'm waiting so I'm like well it's been long enough surely they've moved on at this point so I throw and as I'm walking over there They're completely gone. What? now? I like they're not at the next tee. They're not behind me. They didn't go a different direction. Yeah, I can see all together. I walk around like it's next to like a street. So I look over on the street to see like they 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 cross the street. They go somewhere else. They were completely gone. Now, what I'm proposing? I was the only person to interact with these people, like as far as far as as I know. Okay. (laughs) So, So
2: what I'm proposing? Ghosts. I don't, I don't, now I don't. were you in uh a foresty area like what is i mean there place? are a lot of trees around yes it's a very okay. tree course where i was playing and were they wearing modern
1: clothes they i, I now i'm second I, like like, I, I, you know, I don't know thousands or like you know 2020s i don't know if they're i mean they're you know they were clothed i don't wow. i could i wasn't like registering if they were okay like your, your thought is of what they're wearing like sweaters no no like, i was <laughs> saying I was like,
2: are they wearing like polos from like 2004 you know two do, yeah. like dual polos with their collars I, up I, I don't know but and then so first
1: like i have a second i'm like wait i'm here though right and i'm looking around like you're ever like everybody wow. like everyone does disappear around me just this group right like yeah. i'm not the one that's invisible <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs>
2: So what happened? I have no idea. I have no ending to the story. Did, beyond did the you go that and try and like talk to somebody? Be like, were there, "Was there a party ahead of me? Like, hey, what am I going to say, guys?
1: Hi, I'm a random person that thought there was four people in front of me, and now I can't find them. <laughs> I think they might be ghosts.
2: Like, what? Like, what am I supposed to say? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they just disappeared into like the cornfields, like in, uh, um, uh, Field of Dreams or something.
1: What gets me? Like, I, I can't. I can't rationalize where they've gone. Like, I don't know what happened, which is what's really like. Yeah, that whole, is kind of spooky. It keeps scratching my head as far
2: as. I have a lot of they questions here. were here. here. Yeah. yeah. Did, did you hear voices in the distance kind of growing more faint? <laughs> like, you know, maybe they just trailed off. They're like, oh, let's go get lunch. And so, what time of day was this? Well, what that's, not, that's what I'm saying. They're like, based on the
1: position I'm in, there's no like direction they could have gone that makes sense to me (laughs) as far as why i would not be able to see them anymore
2: that's what's throwing me off can can you publicly tell us which golf course this was that this is at eldorado
1: golf course in long beach eldorado
2: golf course in long beach okay
1: like where i was the 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 best explanation i could think of is that like they finished golf like on that hole and then like immediately ran to their cars in the parking lot but like why would they immediately need to run (laughs) like Cause like even if they even if they just went to the parking lot, I'd still be able to like see them. See them? Yeah. Like I'd still I'd still have like enough to enough like you know, at a head start to be like, well, there they are. Yeah. But like I was so curious, like where did they go? Like it was so. Cause I'm, like, I'm expecting them to go to the next hall, and they didn't, and yeah. they were just completely like disappeared.
2: This is uh <laughs> this is quite the script that you've got going here. I write. I don't. Do <laughs> I'm just saying that this would be a great little like 15 minutes short. I I don't deny this. I'm so you know chart that down. Either that or like this is impressive marketing by blowing. Yeah, let's make sure to copyright. I mean, I like, hey, we
1: we can't write any of this right now. We could, yeah,
2: can. disc golf horror part one.
1: Just, yeah, but we, we can't officially write this because we you know we support the 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 WG the, the strike. Yeah, but but, right. but it once great. it's over,
2: oh boy, oh boy, pen to paper. <laughs> So so what happened? Did you just like finish? Your, I just your can't well, what am I
1: gonna I'm not gonna like stop. I don't know, but I mean, yeah, you finish your round, you're just like, uh, that
2: was weird, right? <laughs>
1: that's that's what I said to myself,
2: and I just continued playing. <laughs> like, and then you're like, realize. you got in your car, you left, and you're just like, please don't follow me.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, I'm like, Am I gonna
1: further now? What's happening? Is there smoke <laughs> around me? I don't know what's then going on. Then Shay fight. shows up, and you're just like, What the I mean, <laughs> if that happened, then I'd be just I'd be Then you'd be like, map. Wow, okay, I gotta go. So
2: I yeah, I don't I don't know. But so I, I will needed... you be going back to that park? Um, of course, in, I will in the near future. Okay, yeah. Right. <laughs> okay, yeah. So it was. It, a... it, it's just weird. It wasn't like, oh, I'm I'm scarred for life.
1: Yeah, no, it's not like. I mean, it's not like there was a malevolent forces near me
2: that you know of, <laughs> or malignant forces. Speaking of James Wan-produced oh, yeah, yeah, things, yeah. Um, what, what was that guy's <laughs> name in Malignant? Um, is tw- the twin brother's name? Um, Darian. Yeah. Gotta look at some... <laughs>
1: My we were my dad and I were watching a little bit of Jurassic World and BD Wong popped up and he's like, "What's his name in Nora from Queens?" and he's like, "Warren." And I'm like, "That's no one's named Warren." And it, it's Wally. Damien. Um. Um. Uh, it's what is it? Hold on. It's
2: um. It's Damien. Right. Gabriel. Gabriel. Yeah, that's it. Gabriel. <laughs> da- there you go. Yeah, you nailed it. Yeah. Okay, so well, that's a weird the story. story. I, 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 it couldn't have happened to like you know in October where it could be like even more spooky, but you know,
1: that's the insidious that was on my mind. I guess. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well,
1: that, the thing that's getting me is that there was like I'm the only one that interacted with them, so I'm like, were they ever there? <laughs> like, that's that's where my head's at right now.
2: <laughs> you ask them for like a a coke, they're like, "No, sir, it's on the house because your money is no good here." <laughs> You've always been here,
1: Aaron. What? <laughs> I leave and there's a mural of the disc golf course that I'm on it. <laughs> You're just on there says, ni- 1979, like Michael <laughs> Douglas is there, a
2: guy who played disc golf when he was very young. Um, all right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, uh, uh, let me know if you let me know if something. Yeah, there's happens. a follow up. I'll be sure. To, I'll be sure to let yeah, you. Yeah, let know me know if there's a part two here on this podcast. It has to go to. You have to go back to that golf course like next weekend or something. No, you know what we should do? We should contact Jimmy. O. we should, we should both
1: get on uh spooky, scary stories or whatever his podcast yeah. is. Talk about it there.
2: Jimmy's just going to blame it on the Boogans. So,
1: yeah, yeah, which got a 4K announcement this week. So,
2: yeah, that's right. I saw that.
1: <laughs> and Todd and I both raced to tell Jimmy. <laughs> 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 okay. All right. Let's get us about our cookies. Trademark. Eat your
2: dad that talk cookies.
1: Trademark. All right. Uh I got a few things I want to go over. It. Before we get to get to you and uh and what's been happening in your neck of the mm-hmm. woods. Uh first is a final cut. Uh this is a remake of the
2: Japanese zombie film One Cut of the Dead. Have you heard of One Cut of the Dead? Abe? Uh I have not. But if okay. you just start describing it, I might say yes.
1: So here's the thing: I can't start describing it because I think the premise is too good to reveal. Okay, it's a, then it's, don't tell me. I will say this though: it is very much a wh- a zombie horror comedy. It is not a it's not scary whatsoever
3: mm-hmm.
1: by design and by nature. Of I film. think I have heard of this. Then. You probably
2: have because it was it was getting a lot of buzz when it came out like yeah,
1: a few years ago. So that the way so that, the way that
2: you just described it, there was like zombie comedy. But uh-huh. like pretty interesting premise. I was like, uh, yeah. this sounds very familiar now. There's
1: a there's a there's a huge meta element in it that I honestly, I just don't want to reveal because okay. I think for anyone that's interested, it would be better for them to just watch it as opposed to be me telling you what that is. Yeah. Uh. But so there was one cut of the dead that's Japanese. And now there's a remake final cut that's French. And it's directed by none other than Academy Award winner Mich- Michelle Hanavicious. Yes. Uh, from, yeah, from the artist. Yeah. Uh, so the so the director of the artist um, has has used this you know, his Oscar levy to be like, all right, let me uh let me make a remake of a Japanese zombie uh-huh. <laughs> Um, And by all accounts, it's fine. Like, I think one cut of the bed is better um, just because by the nature, of that tends to be the way it is. And also because I think it's, this one's a little glossier just by having, a, you know, a, more of a studio budget to work with compared mm-hmm. to that one. But it's still like entertaining. Like, and also partially because because of the, meta nature of the film of the of these films this new this new one very much knows the other one exists which i think is interesting mm, okay um it's still pretty much a shot for shot remake so it's like if you're going to watch one of these watch that one first then see final cut but i did see final cut and i thought it wasn't bad it was fine
3: mm-hmm.
1: so and i mean for american audiences they're both subtitled so there's no like benefit to be like oh i'm going to choose the french <laughs> one over the japanese one and, like really pull one over on them <laughs> So they're never going to get me to read. It's <laughs> jokes on you, friend. I believe one kind of that's on shutter. Don't hold me to that, but okay. I know it's like available out there. Final cut comes to the theaters and streaming, I believe, pretty soon, like sometime this month. So.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um on the bad side of things I watched The Outlaws. <laughs> this is a um here's the thing. So this is a Netflix comedy. It stars Anna Levine um and what's Oh, it, and uh, they said Avril Levine. Yeah, Avril Levine and Jack. Yeah, I was Broder, like, "Wow, she's into do- acting they, now." They made a rock documentary about Nickelback and Avril. Lavigne. No, yeah. it's it's with Adam Levine and Nina Dobrev. Okay. Um uh, they're like engaged to get married. It's going to happen. Adam Levine's a bank manager. Yeah, uh, and uh, so he's going to meet her parents for the first time. And their his parent her parents are played by Pierce Brosnan and Ellen Barkin. Wow. Pierce Brosnan playing Pierce Brosnan playing the most Irish I think he's ever played on screen. Okay. Like he's leaning hard into it this time yeah. around, which is fine because I like Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. Now, the idea is that like he's a bank manager and the parents are mysterious and she says that they like have been in the Amazon doing studies or whatnot. But, uh oh, actually, they're bank robbers, career criminals. Whoa. Um, and she doesn't know about that. Uh, this is this is a comedy. And, and it's and it's really bad and i'll tell you how i knew it was gonna like not be very good when i started it because i didn't realize this because it's uh it says it's on netflix be- that's part of it but also uh-huh. because it's a, happy, it's a happy madison production
3: um oh. so,
2: so uh, that wasn't that actually unexpectedly gave me like a little sadness because i was like they used to be good
1: are there are there good Happy Madison's that don't have Adam Sandler in?
2: Them? I'm more thinking of just like the '90s Adam Sandler. <laughs> that's that's
1: Adam Sandler. I'm trying. To, I'm telling yeah. you, I mean, I'm trying to ask if there are you know be, beyond like Deuce Bigelow, male chills. <laughs> like, are there are there some <laughs> gems in the Happy Madison line that don't? Grandma's have Grandma's Boy
2: maybe, but that was early on too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, it, like I
1: didn't realize that. And like going in is more like this is on netflix now i have work to do i can put this on uh-huh. and i did and the logo comes up happy madison like okay so this just went down like three notches as far as what i'm <laughs> expecting from this because <laughs> okay. i'm like yeah pierce brosnan all right bank robbers cool and, right. and then it, it just proceeded to not be very funny at all unfortunate um, yeah i mean ours, is it at least short it's like 90 minutes so yeah it's okay that's long. good it's the kind of thing that where it's r-rated and it's rated because that just means we can have got the them like improv more freely. And when I say improv more freely, it's more well we'll just say fuck every other word because that's how we improv. Yeah and it's like, yeah, this this doesn't really have anything to
2: offer. I like um, Adam Devine, but I like Adam Devine when he's like scripted. Not not like fully scripted, but more just like righteous gemstones where it's like there's some good writing here from comedy writers and he's able to say those lines but he's also able to maybe freelance in one of the takes
1: right righteous gemstones is where he's shining for me because i think he i don't have anything against him i just don't pretend to like him on his own doing comedy yeah but so him being part of an ensemble i think works yeah i will say that maybe the best part of this movie is unironically, when he's forced to help rob a bank and he's like Trying to keep everyone calm while the others are getting the money, and he <laughs> like because he's small, a large man who I assume was a wrestler like starts picking him up and like throwing him around the room and smashing him into walls and stuff. And I'm like, actually, this is pretty funny watching. I do get don't beat if up <laughs> like a lot thrown
2: like like, like a bowling like ball.
1: Like there's you know like the the like the bank island where you can like write checks on. it yeah, yeah. Like he, he like smashes through the entire thing. <laughs> I'm like okay, wow. that's that that made me laugh. But uh, otherwise, not a lot here. Um, on the plus side, though, back yeah. to the plus side, um, I watched Blood and Gold, which is also on Netflix. Blood and what? Blood and Gold. Okay. Now, this is from the director of a film that came out a few years ago called Blood Red Sky, uh, mm-hmm. directed by Peter Thorwath, uh, um, German director. Um, that movie, that movie was Vampires on a Plane, uh, which uh-huh. I quite enjoyed. Uh, Mike Dillon, friend of the show, also quite enjoyed. Um, <clears throat> And I don't think he has necessarily a blood series going on here, but he has two movies in a row on Netflix that have blood of the title. And this one is the second movie of the year featuring a man taking on Nazis while trying to preserve his gold during World War Two. OK, um, so between first being this, Sisu. first being Sisu, which rocks mm-hmm. uh, this movie, not quite as great as I thought Sisu was, but certainly very entertaining Um, for a variety of reasons, mainly mm-hmm. that involve uh, elaborate action sequences that involve violent deaths of Nazis, and the general idea of hey, he's got to keep his gold. Um, I, so I, uh, <laughs> and also not long. It's like a, it's like ninety something minutes with okay. credits. Like it did the job. But I, uh, I, I didn't realize that the same director who made that vampire movie that I quite enjoyed made another movie. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh cool. Go. Like I, because I saw it pop up on Netflix. I'm like, what's blood and gold it said like gold Nazis? I'm like, all right, like I'm interested. What else is going on here? I looked at the director. It's like, oh, it's that director. So I immediately played it. And, yeah, good stuff. Okay, <laughs> good movie. Glad to hear. Yeah. So between this, CISO, and Indiana Jones, a lot of Nazis are getting punched
2: and stuff this year, which
1: is uh, not <laughs> a bad thing. So that's all I have. What's going on
2: good with Mark. <laughs> Uh I've been watching uh, a lot of television, kind of just catching up. I know that you guys talked about the bear last week, but I've been catching up on the bear as well. Mm-hmm. Um, according to Aaron, I'm, I'm more than halfway through, but I'm at the Christmas episode where I've kind of had to just pause for a minute just because – it it's quite intense in terms of how um stressful everything is uh, that's going on. And a lot of great cameos. But overall it's been it's been a really interesting experience watching the Bear season two because they are are they're on their own now. They're kind of just trying to do their own thing. But it, it's also just very I think this is like taking place during the pandemic because uh his his uh, partner, um I forget her name in the show, and and the actress's name. Oh, A.O. Atta Berry. Um, Sydney. Sydney, yeah, but she's looking up all these places that have been closing down because of the pandemic, so I was like, oh, is this during the pandemic, or just, like, immediately post-pandemic? Because I think it's immediately
1: post-its post. Post height, obviously, okay. post-pandemic is what yeah, i But I was like, it, oh,
2: because yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm always fascinated in today's time, uh, 2023 time, of just shows, movies that will actually acknowledge like this two-year gap in human history, um, and just what happened, so it, it's kind of fascinating to see that part, but um, you know, so far, so good. Everything's everybody is coming on for more, and they're able to do more. There's the episode where the pastry chef or the dessert chef goes to Copenhagen, Copenhagen, and I was like, wow, this is this is a really good episode, and then you really they, want to go to Copenhagen. Yeah, it makes, makes you want to go to Copenhagen and like live on a boat and feed like a maybe like an invisible cat. But I it's the credits came up and said directed by, by it says directed by uh uh I was gonna say Rami Malik, but it's not Rami Malik, Rami Yusuf. Uh-huh. And I was like, incredible. Incredible. Like good job. You know, like he's got his own show, but I was like, this is why it felt very familiar is because there are just like long beats of either scenery or just very, it, it feels very personal at times in that, in that episode specifically. And if you've ever seen Rami, Rami is a show that I have mixed feelings on more positive than negative, but, um, it's very much in search of a person, an individual. So, so far the highlight of the season has been that episode where, where, um, he goes to Copenhagen to go learn from, uh, from uh, Walter no, Adam, Adam no Adam uh Adam Warlock yeah Adam Warlock Will Will Poulter, yeah yeah uh, and Son of Rambo exactly Son of Rambo um, but yeah it's been a really good season so far I I'm not feeling like this the the total stresses of the season yet as it's coming together but I'm sure that I'll get there at some point and again this Christmas episode is, is just fantastic so far in that they're um they're able to bring John Bernthal back for an extended play. Um, and I, I like seeing John Bernthal uh in this specific role uh in general, yes, but uh it's good to see how he's able to get more screen time with uh with a guy Carmi. So the bear, uh Hulu on FX. FX on Hulu.
1: I I'm not gonna recap my thoughts that I said, like you just uh-huh. want listen last week's episode and hear what I thought about the bear. I sorry, I liked it a lot, but okay. I mean as far as how I described it, but I will say, you know, you're Talk about the lack of stresses, and it's very much by design, which is something I appreciated, Yeah, Uh, despite the fact that this episode that you're watching currently, this Christmas episode, is very much, I mean, classic bear at this point, pushed to a certain extreme. I will say I could watch that episode for like four hours straight. Like that's so that's so my thing watching the show as far as how much I can enjoy the awkwardness brought to like a boiling tension. Like that episode really works for me in that regard. But I mean, on the whole, yes, it steers in a different sort of direction while still maintaining, I think the, the spirit of that show based on these characters. And yeah, it's a, it's a really, really good season of television.
2: Okay. Yeah. I'm looking forward to finishing that episode, but I agree with you very much of like, this is, this is stressing me out, uh, but I'm also just like, I actually really want to see all this tension. I kind of want to uh-huh. see them, all of them individually going through it, but then also maybe collectively going through it as well, because the siblings seem to be on the same page of just stopping their mom from drinking or handling situations. But everyone just has their own thing going on, too. And, it, and it's very Oh, It's becoming uncovered. And, mm-hmm. you know, anytime you have, like, character actors, maybe even leading actors on television... Uh, I won't name names. Uh, that show up. It's it's always great to see. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm excited to to finish it, but I'm also just like I I really don't want this episode to maybe re- really even end, primarily because I know what the reality is, which is like, well, John Bernthal is not in the series for specific reasons, and also they're going through like this really tough job right now, including Sydney, kind of just not really sure if if uh Carmen is all there for her right now. So I'm curious to see where it goes.
1: Yeah, well, I'll be curious what you think by the end of the season. Yeah, I'll tell um, you in four months when I finish it. <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh,
1: all right. Um, anything else beyond uh, Indiana Jones, which we'll get to later? Uh, no, yeah. All right. Well, that's it. That quickies. Hey, Mike. Let's move on now. we got a couple movies we want to do some uh, some quicker reviews for. So uh, first up, let's talk about Joyride.
0: You want to play Slide? hmm Slides off limits to Ching Chong's. Fuck you. (laughs) Do you want to be best friends? Look at me, look at me, look at me now. Guess who's going back to the motherland?
1: It's a big deal, going to your birth country. We used to
0: talk about it all the time when we were little, remember?
1: Grand adventure to find your birth mother. So proud of you.
0: White people. I called the adoption agency and she lives in hygiene. Okay, will you guys come with me? Fuck yes, bitch! I love a grand adventure. All
1: right, that should have been to the trailer for Joyride. Uh when I'm gonna just read the brief the plot synopsis okay. here. When Audrey's business trip to China goes sideways, she and her childhood best friend Lolo, uh along with Kat, a college friend turned TV star, and Deadeye, Lolo's eccentric cousin, head out on a journey to find Audrey's birth mother. Their wild experience becomes a journey of bonding, friendship, crazy, and craziness that reveals the universal truth of what it means to know and love who you are. Oh, So this movie, uh, as I was pointing out or not pointing out in the box office did not do very well in its opening weekend, which is a, a bit of a shame given that, mm-hmm. uh I mean, it's highly reviewed. It's uh, has this uh, spirit that seems akin to something like girl's trip, which was a huge box office hit a mm-hmm. few years back, though. It had, you know, four more well-known stars. Uh, but the most curious thing is that it had a B minus cinema score. Wow. Wondered, like, what 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 was this movie not exactly delivering for the people B- inside? In terms of like I, what they I didn't expected? realize,
2: but B minus is like not a great score for a for, a,
1: for a comedy like this, where I feel like the expectation should be pretty obvious for what you're going to get out of it. But right. with that, all that said, because we'll talk about
2: it, hey, what do you think of Run? I found this to be a very good movie. <laughs> I really enjoyed a lot of aspects of this movie, aside from just uh them being uh you know four people in distress on a trip through uh through China and and trying to get a specific like deal done. But I found there to be a lot of humor. I found there to be a lot of heart. I found there to be a, a good ensemble of four characters. Sometimes this is very hard to pull off. But among that, that, that four, that quad, uh, there's a lot of time, not a lot, but there is time devoted to each one of them. So they're fleshed out as people uh, so that you can kind of care more for them in this story. Uh, but overall, I also thought that the like the Asian-ness of it bleeds through, which I found to be very funny. Uh-huh. But there was also the aspect of the adoption part of things. And that stuff is, is very touching uh, as you get through the movie here. um, But there's a lot of like little details here and there that I found to be uh, very funny. It's, it's raunchy at times. It's, it's very comedic at times, very heartfelt at times, kind of like, um, uh, I think some of the producers on this are Evan Goldberg and, and Seth Rogen. And they've been known to do stories like this, where it's a set of friends that have a specific task to do. But then along the way, you find out more about, about each other and yourselves perhaps. Um, so I had a good time with this. I laughed a lot I, the audience. I laughed or uh, the audience laughed with me. There's a lot of good humor in here. And so, uh, yeah, I, I would have told people to go check this movie out. And I'm, I'm surprised by the cinema score. And I guess I'm surprised. That's surprising, by the right? Covers. Yeah. yeah. Because it, I did, I did see the the high reviews, but uh-huh. I, Cinema Score is like, I don't know what you're expecting then. I, I don't know
1: who walked into Joyride and it's like this did not give me what I was looking for. F. Like what? Right, like, yeah. I um, I, I, am happy you emphasize the stuff that really worked for me as well. Because like, yes, the movie's funny, and it's you know like being like an R-rated comedy. It's like yeah, it's it's angling for a certain kind of thing, not too far from you know things like Bridesmaids or More Girls Trip or right. among other like female-led comedies, which. Surprisingly, there haven't been a ton of, despite the box office success that those had seen when they came out. Um, but like, yeah, like outside of the comedy, which you know works, like I laughed, it does have a, like it does handle like the heart and emotion stuff quite well mm-hmm. in a you know a realm that that doesn't always happen in the way that it does. You know, it's been a while since I saw like a you know a a really great Fairly Brothers movie that knows how to balance the emotion along with the humor that's coming out of it. This movie mm-hmm. gets that, like it it does find time for each character to have like meaning behind mm-hmm. them. um, it, it delves into the, yes, the adoption storyline and like why this is significant. And it does so without like losing track of the fact that it is still a comedy. Like it's, right. I, I think the writing here is quite good, I guess is yeah. what I'm saying. Cause like it, it can be, you're exactly right. It can be hard to have an ensemble cast, make sure they all have their time to shine and make the stakes or what have you feel legitimate as opposed to just, now we insert, you know, bullshit heart scenes. like right. it's like, no, it has real emotional through lines for specifically for um Ashley Parks characters since mm-hmm. Audrey, who's, who's Audrey, like, yeah. essentially the lead of the film. uh and the and you know, the stuff that transpires matters like right. the plot the, the the general plot of why they're in China and what she needs to do. I appreciated that it didn't just cast that aside as, like, a, an excuse to have them be here. Right. It made make sense as to why they need to be in certain places at certain times. Yeah. And then just had, you know, ridiculous things happen during these times.
3: Mm-hmm. So,
1: yeah, I, I, I thought this was quite good for
2: the kind of movie that this is. Yeah. Thank you, I guess, <laughs> for, on behalf <laughs> of all Asians. here. You're now honorary Asian, and but... now you owe me one blackening. Like that's i I was I, I was gonna watch that actually this weekend. It's on VOD. You
1: can rent it right the oh, oh, okay, now. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but I've got AMC A list. I'll go get one. Then go I'll... see it on the A list. Yeah. Uh, no, but you mentioned uh, the. Um... Like Seth Rogen talked about this too. He's talked specifically about plot versus story. Or Who's story a, versus him plot. and Evan
1: Goldberg are producers on the
2: film. Right, yeah. But he's always talking about this too, where it's like the plot of the movie can be pretty boring, but if the story is there, it's actually much better. Um, and so, um, you know, having two uh, Asian leads and then having two additional Asian leads come on, uh, so you have a quadrilogy, a quad of four, it's sometimes difficult to handle that kind of stuff, but I think that they I think the writing here is probably the standout star for sure. I mean, th- everybody here is really good, too. I think Ashley Park, Sherry Cola, um, Sabrina Wu, who I've seen in stand up like she opened for Shane, Shane, Shane Wang. Uh, yeah, this, in is her first, this is her first movie. This is like wow. Her, her debut
1: performance that. in a film in anything. I think she's only been like a writer in a stand up.
2: So. Yeah, I've seen her in stand up and uh, live. And then I've also seen her uh, her work on Instagram. Um, and then also, obviously, Academy Award-nominated actress uh, Stephanie Sue is in this movie as well. But I, I, having them all here and then cohesively go through, like what you mentioned, a specific plot device of going to China, but for specific reasons, is uh, it can be it can be very easily ruined. But I think that they handled it very well because um, one of the things that we we're talking about, just as this as we were talking about the trailer or this, the trailer played, was. They have a lot of jokes, uh, including one at a playground. And I was, I was telling, you, I was glad that that happened in the first part because it, we've all seen it. Uh, if you've seen the trailer, you've seen that specific scene. Mm-hmm. So it's great that they kind of got that out of the way right away, and then it, it moves into uh, the actual, uh, you know, the the momentive states of the rest of the movie.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, you, know, you only, I only have so much. Of a connection to the you know the the Asianness of this movie,
2: <laughs> but I mean I do think it the way the way it like you you live in uh, you live in SoCal you've got a lot of you've got a lot of Asian friends the 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 way it manages yes to
1: incorporate things be you know as far as like how it opens let alone like the the um the the law firm that Audrey works at sure and like make specific comments on what it is for you know a a Chinese woman uh, to be to be working in a certain environment like things like that right it's not hard to like relate to, you know, being quote unquote another in some certain kind of environments and the way right. the film wants to handle that and still manage to mine comedy out of it. I mean, right. It's, it's just good stuff. Like yeah, it works.
2: Jonah is very funny in this movie. Uh,
1: you know, I like
2: how he, Timothy Simons.
1: Yeah. I, yeah. Timmy Simons. I like how he specifically tries to phrase things to make himself sound like it's like, it's not because of this. Yeah. It's because of this.
2: <laughs> Cause they're in 2023 now. Mara. Um, uh, I was going to say that, um, the asian jokes are the asian jokes i mean you you would get them uh, i'm sure that you would get them as well it's just more that they they're funny in that um yeah they're just like things that you should do but i want to get to the um, sort of like the 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 problem not the problem but like you know the the catalyst problem in this movie sure um and i found that to be very very interesting because Well, I don't personally know of anyone that has gone through that specifically. I do know people that were adopted into white families um, and they've grown up, you know, kind of feeling not sure about who they are. And then later in life, probably like in college and later on, they they kind of get a better understanding um, if they wanted to um, of, you know, their shared cultural history. But there's something else that happens in this movie. And I was like, oh, this is something that I have heard of as well. Uh, so it's not very uncommon for this particular thing to happen in these in in real life. And I appreciated the way that they they the movie continues to go on that that pathway into like, well, we've got to go and explore this other avenue now. Um, and that other avenue kind of leads them to other other sort of hijinks. But at least it's it was one that I, I thought to be very, very uh, honest. And then it finally gets into like a a larger emotional swell. And I was like, this is, this is really well done.
1: Yeah. The way it balances this stuff I've already said is, is quite good. And yeah, the fact that it's able to pull off certain things by an end point where you reveal certain character and you get more information. I was impressed that I was able to like be into the emotional elements that were going on in this sequence you know, following other stuff that already took place here, mm-hmm. uh, as far as the kind of humor that it's going for, I will say. <laughs> speaking of some of the humor and getting back to the the kind of white people yeah. versus Asians, the
2: the <laughs> stuff on the train where Meredith Hanger's character comes in. Yeah, she's been in things like Palm Springs, and I forget the other movie that she was in, but I've seen she's her. She's
1: on uh, a, the show Search Party as well. Oh
2: yeah, yeah. Um, but like as this like drug smuggler who. Basically
1: forces all of them to carry her drugs, <laughs> and then <laughs> pretends to be the innocent one when they come inspecting her. Like that's just a lot of like just good solid comedies. That's yeah. like, what they're throwing out at you,
2: and the fact that it has like residual effects. Um, right? Yeah, it, it's not it, just like a smash cut into like. Well, the next day we're all just hung over. Like yeah, yeah, it it
1: it's very, it's very funny. Uh, yeah. it, including the how how Audrey's thing switches from we need to get like back on a train and like keep doing our mission to we need to find more cocaine, more cocaine.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: if you find
2: any more cocaine let me know <laughs> uh speaking of which um i think that the the four leads in this movie are very good as well i have never really seen any of these except for uh sabrina Wu and stephanie Su. Um, So part of me, if I don't know Ashley Parks, um,
1: well, Park, she she's like she does uh she's a, she's like a Tony Award nominee. She she wow. does theater. She's like she a theater stage person. stuff. Okay, she's, she's like a stage and singer person. I can see it now. Now I see where the emotions. And like she's from. in what is it? I don't watch these things, but she like I think she's she's in Emily in Paris, like that show. I haven't on seen that, but I know like, what you're talking about. But that's like the because she like I think she mainly did like stage stuff, and then that like that's okay. the show that she's on. Um you haven't seen shortcut shortcomings hasn't come out yet. Randall Park's uh, directorial, mm, debut, but, no. directorial but saw, debut. No, his directorial debut. His directorial, yeah, it's coming out soon. It came, I saw it I saw it during Sundance, and Sherry okay. Cole is in that as well. And um she's she's the, the
2: the comedy is good <laughs> regarding okay. those characters. Yeah. So. I'm glad, yeah, because uh, I thought that they were holding their own uh, in a movie that they have, I guess both of their maybe largest debut movies. And, and I thought that was really, really well done. Cause I thought I was like, well, Stephanie Sue is going to be one of the, she's probably like the best friend that, that grows up. Like, no, it's not her. She's actually a fringe friend that comes through in, in the first, like 20 minutes of the movie, but still not actually centered around, um, uh, Audrey and and Stephanie Sue's character uh, mm-hmm. specifically so yeah I thought that and this right. is
1: obviously this was made before she you know was an Oscar nominee that's <laughs> so, a great point sorry. yeah that's a
2: great point actually yeah so this is very much a Steve Jobs situation of they printed the cover before you were announced as men of the year um, but in any case I thought that four the four of them were very good I mean this who's got like weird quirks that she's got to do yeah she's the Zach Galifianakis of this group right yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but it, she does grow on me or she did grow on me. And at the end of this, I was like, you know, I, I do want to see more of like their their journeys their travels. I would love to go and see uh, a joyride part two type thing. Uh, they kind of tease it uh, at the end of this movie by them going to another country. I mean, it's the, it's the easiest premise as far as we want another trip. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know? just make just make. But, you know, vote with your dollars. Go see this movie. All right.
1: Well, I mean, it's it...
2: You know, it's like, this is why we don't do comedies very much. It's like there's only so much like, to talk about. But yeah, I'm
1: like it made a last. I mean, it had good stuff in it. But I mean, right, that's right. the point here. I think we both like it quite a bit. I think it I it does seem, you know, in the, in the realm of movies that can make money at the box office, a, you know, a, a winning comedy that does well in the writing department certainly feels like it should
2: deserve more than what it's getting so far. But uh, when should people see this movie? Ed? I think you should see this in theaters and this is going to be worth your time. And it's very short, too. It's like an hour and 45 minutes. Yeah, I
1: think it gets the job done for what it's going for. Yeah. It, it hits the emotion button stronger than I think other comedies of its kind have done in recent right. years. I mean, that's, you know, that's enough. And, you know, uh, comedies with an audience, that's, that's a, that's certainly. It's, it's always good with an
2: audience. And also just to speak on Aaron's point very quickly about, you know, comedies, uh, we both like them and they most, both make us laugh. I, I, this one actually doesn't really have like a ton of like downside to it. That's, that's probably that's why a, you and I. Yeah didn't really talk about it Mm -hmm. is that yes we would we if if it did have like a lull or something like that it's like but it's the pace is very quick and even like the intermediate part where they they have to go stay at a hotel with like basketball players like this stuff all works because of what they like how brief it is but also how funny it is and also just they have to do this because they've lost their passports (laughs) so like things kind of logically make sense and again it all leads to um a, a fairly good payoff so yeah, I mean, we we both liked it, but you know, if there were major flaws, I think we would have talked about those flaws as well.
1: Get any reason to have your boy Baron Davis in a movie, I think, is a good one. right Boom,
2: Dizzle, man, yeah, bears or he's not a bar, he's not a barrier own, but he's a barrier legend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Joyride, good movie. Yeah, let's move on. Let's get to
1: Insidious: colon, The Red Door.
2: Why do not you drive Dalton to college? You still have a few weeks before your students show up, right?
0: just an idea to reconnect. I know it's been tough with you too. The balance of light and dark is what we're after.
2: You're in the art school,
3: I take it?
0: Yeah, you go here too?
3: Yes. Draw an experience that defines you.
0: When I was 10, I was in a coma. But I don't even remember being sick.
3: Sink deep into your memory. And let's see what light
1: can find. All right, that should have been the trailer for Insidious, called The Red Door. Let read another plot synopsis here. Josh Lambert heads out to drop his son Dalton off at school. However, Dalton's college dream soon becomes a living nightmare when the repressed demons of his past suddenly return to haunt them both. This film is the directorial wow. debut of Patrick Wilson. Hey. It has a story by credit from Lee Wannell, who was of course the writer of the first Insidious, who direct, mm-hmm. which was directed by James Wan. This film was it was written by Scott Teams. As I already pointed out, it made 32 million in its opening weekend. 64 worldwide, by the way, so far. So uh not great. terrible. Uh, not terrible at all for a horror horror movie like this. And ideally, at least a promise for Patrick Wilson to incur- be encouraged to direct more. Yeah. Um, but with, with all of that said. Hey, we've uh, we've had thoughts on various insidious films. Yes. I believe you you've at least seen two of them, right? I've seen
2: at least uh, two Yeah, I saw the first one for sure, and I saw the second one. Both directed by did. James Wan, though.
1: Yes. Um. So, <laughs> this one, honestly, like. Because the three and four is a, three is a prequel, and then four is a prequel to that prequel. So, is that what it is? Yeah, So the Red Door is basically a legacy sequel to the second one, since it's literally ah uh, yes, later. correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you know, you're not you're not necessarily missing much by having not seen the other two. Okay. But, so, with all of that said, returning yeah. to the Insidious franchise and these main characters from it, who are not in the previous two films, what did
2: you think of this movie? I, I think that it's 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 fine. And this is not to be dismissive. I think that Patrick Wilson was able to probably pull this off because the sets are all there, and it's it's not very uh, set-dependent, per se, like, you know, location-dependent, per se. But I think that there is a story here that doesn't really get a ton of the right play, which is a father-son sort of redemption story and protecting my family kind of story. Um, I think it kind of gets it's there, but it kind of gets lost in the shuffle a bit because he's got to do all this other stuff. Um, But I think that it's it's adequate in that it allows me to kind of get a better understanding of who these people are now and today. But I think a question I would have is, like, did I need additional understanding of who these people are now and today? You know, with his son, Ty Simpkins, Dalton, kind of being uh, a very artistic college bound student um and kind of needing closure about what happened in in uh part two um if you haven't seen part two i don't think we're gonna super spoil anything by saying that like you know patrick wilson is trying to get his family with hammers and bats um, and that plays a key role in this part too um and also they also get um whatchamacallit um hypnotized to remember to forget that specific part of their they don't they journey. don't know
1: anything about the the further or dream demons or astro- right. like they They're completely oblivious to what happened right. in Insidious one and two.
2: Yeah. And so that's what leads Patrick Wilson to try and go and figure out what, what did go on. But um, yeah, I thought it was I thought it was fine. I, I kind of want to talk more details, but I'm curious to hear what you think. So here's the thing. I think this, I
1: think fine is a good way to put it. Like, I gave it technically a rotten because I gave it a 5 out of 10, and I'm very much a stickler yeah. on 5. Rot- tomatoes rotten. is a
2: 6 out of 10 will be a tomato, right? Well,
1: you choose. Like, oh, I could get, I could give something a 7 and still make it rotten if I wanted to. Oh, okay. that's, a, that's, that's a dick move. I don't do that. Other people do. <laughs> yeah, it so is a dick move. Uh, but it's... <laughs>
2: I thought it was an aggregated, like, uh, uh,
1: algorithm well, it's, thing. It's still an aggregate. You just get to choose whether you choose oh, ro- okay. fresh or yeah, rotten. Yeah um and there are people that are just like i don't want the score to be down yeah. so even though i gave it technically a positive review i'm gonna put it rotten because i don't like it being 100 or whatever there uh-huh. are people like that and it sucks uh but that's a different topic um so this <laughs> movie i do think it's fine like i don't regret seeing it i don't begrudge anyone that's like i want to see the new insidious movie right. because it's like what else are you asking for this is what it's delivering what i expected it to deliver i agree with what you're saying as far as it feels limited to a degree. Mm-hmm. I was my interest high in being like oh finally I can see what happened to the Lambert family all these years later not necessarily but mm-hmm. if you're going to give me another Insidious and you're telling me that they're all returning I'm not uninterested in that yeah. like that's that's a neat thing to do especially since they have all of this including his brother it's also the same young actor that's um, right yeah he, I was like he looks exactly like the other kid no, it yeah. is it's all, it's all the same people like even the, right. the if, especially if you remember this franchise it's literally all the same people that are right. back again so like that's fun um, the fact that Ty Simpkins is like three feet taller than he was in the original films is like, oh, this kid grew. <laughs> um, like that's that's fun to me. Yeah. Um, but um, you know, I think my there's two things. Like there's a couple things. I think the movie doesn't have many scares in it. Yes. Which is unfortunate for a film like
2: I think this. I count like four or five.
1: It, it, I mean, it, it's certainly attempting to do it, but I think the the routine is so familiar at this point for Insidious because their main thing is. Uh, what's his name? Joseph Um K- Bashar's K- variant Joseph Bashar, his intense score for the film. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And jump scares. Like that's yes, yeah. always been a staple of Insidious, that it's all about sure. I but huge jump scares and huge score. Really blare the music out, along yeah. with like the further is the other thing. Um, and it's like, well, I get it. So it's like anytime you have these prolonged sequences where something's gonna happen, if it gets you, it gets you as far as yeah, things that jump out at you, jump out of you, but like. There's no real newness to what it's doing to try to scare the audience. Mm-hmm. I like that MRI scene because it's like I haven't seen something in an MRI machine before like that. That's mm-hmm. fun. Uh, but, you know, if, if, it, if it, for a movie that's trying to scare me, it didn't scare me. <laughs> like that's, that's I hear one. you. Yeah. And, and... Now, yeah. Go with, ahead. With, with that said, the what the one main thing I was waiting for was when this kid, when Ty Simpkins was going to see that red faced demon guy again, because I'm like, what's uh-huh. that reaction going to be? And I think if, if anything that needed to happen needed to happen, I think he nailed that moment where he when he sees that thing and he's like, oh, God. And it's just like I felt the emotion of like uh-huh. it all just came rushing back to him like that. Yeah. That I thought that was cool. Like that that's a bit where I'm like, at least that part that, part, for worked. Yeah. that part worked for me as far as what is it going to be like for this kid who was terrorized by this specific demon thing to see it again after all these years. Yeah and I again they, they was...
2: made him forget about it and then all of a yeah. sudden like it, it, yeah like what you said it kind of comes rushing back
1: now here's here's the here's the last thing okay you were just mentioning this a which is why i thought of it again what i like a lot about this movie is how much i was appreciating the story they were telling that wasn't a horror movie i really yeah. liked this strained relationship drama between a father and son going to college and like him being an art student and hi, I'm a boss. Rami's mother from Rami, Um, <laughs> um uh, and, and Logan Cox, Roy's ex wife. Come Roy's on, Roy's ex wife. Uh, or this is why I think they. Were, I don't think they were divorced. Oh, they were no, never divorced. They were, they were just. They are still married. Yeah, yeah, It was just okay. like estranged at that point. Uh, but like her being this art teacher that's getting him to unlock like like if there was just a psychological drama about this specific thing, mm-hmm. I think I liked that movie a lot more than the back to the right. further story we're being told. Like the back right. to the further stuff is, you know, where we know this, but we have to wait for these characters to figure it out. It's like, okay, so it's a waiting game, right? But the drama taking place with them. And then including like comic relief from a uh, Sinclair Daniels character, mm-hmm. that stuff was working for me. I thought it was a yeah. good movie. I really enjoyed that. movie. I thought it was a good
2: movie. And I also thought that it was like, it, it, it the ending was totally fine, but I really liked that painting at the ending that he does. Uh-huh. And I was like, Oh, this is like a storyboard artist's dream movie. Cause they basically just hired a storyboard artist to like do some scenes like, that's great but um i i agree with you that that was probably a stronger story to tell um and then you kind of just mix in some horror elements um i want to I let you finish before i go in deeper
1: no I, I i just agree i think i think it's okay i i i think that like that stuff seems like the meat of the story that that yeah. could have if they wanted to flesh that out more and turn that into to its own, you know,
2: there's another script, I think, that's not an insidious movie that I think worked sure. quite well with this story. <laughs> but even if you were to mix in like some horror notes, I could see where the horror moments kind of kick in. Oh sure. Like
1: so, this because it's like a specific franchise, it has to right. a specific things. But yeah, it, obviously, yeah, if it was like a psychological horror movie, that yeah, I, I agree with you. I, yeah. yeah.
2: Um, uh, because I went back and watched Insidious Part Two, not that I watched the whole thing, I kind of just like watched it on low volume and kind of skipped around uh through the movie.
1: I watched uh, I watched
2: one. And then I forgot I was supposed to
1: watch two, so I watched
2: two like shortly before, uh-huh.
1: before um, the Red Door. So I was also kind of like not—I had it on, but I wasn't like paying super close yeah, attention. Yeah, So It wasn't like getting me as far as also that movie's not good. But um, sure. <laughs> it's the second one. It's weird. The first one I think is Juan's best movie. The la- the second one I think is Juan's worst. Movie. <laughs> oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Even including the Saw franchise stuff. Well, he only did one Saw. And he did I'm, the first one, right? Yeah, and I'm not a fan of Saw either. Yeah, but okay. But I, uh,
2: yeah, my point being that, you know, what was clever about part two is that it's it ties into part one almost immediately. And also it also has a lot of um, interesting things that that one does, even with with young Patrick Wilson um, and how that ties in with like evidence from stuff that you watched uh, in the first part of the in the first part of the movie. So it, there's a lot of like callbacks in itself, and that's what makes it very intri- intriguing and Kind of captivating to some degree because you're just thinking to yourself, oh, well, you know, young Josh from the 70s is talking to future Josh, and that's what's happening in this video that you're watching, um, in the first like 10 minutes with uh, with a uh, young fake Barbara Hershey, but played by I forget her name. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that was that was fun and interesting, and so that's why I was thinking to myself, oh, well, this one it attempts to do some things like that because it calls back to specifically the ending of part two. And that's why they needed to to kind of wash themselves away from some of the trauma that they had they had lived through. Um, but I think that, that Juan is just more masterful at that type of storytelling. The other thing that I also found interesting is that Juan loves camera moving. Um, and he does very, very specific and good camera movements. So whether that's like you know, uh, a three-quarter shot with somebody in frame. Like, Patrick Wilson does this in the opening of the movie, uh, and then all of a sudden something shows up in the background. Or within that same shot, he'll move it dynamically. So it's almost like a Michael Bay-ish type move, but he only does like a quarter turn or, or half turn, where the character looks away into down the hallway, and he'll move the camera into their face kind of thing. So now that we as an audience can't see what's down the hallway, but we see somebody's face... I was like that that's the stuff that that kind of helps with the atmosphere of a horror movie.
1: Yeah. What I like about the first insidious is, is Juan's exact exactly as Wanda's Direction, where because that movie's so cheap. And so it's You're like 1.5 million. 1.5 million. Man, that's uh, like, and he shoots the hell out of it. Like God. I really like the especially watching it again. It's a very it's very it's, it's shot digitally, obviously, and it uh-huh. very much embraces what digital photography can do in a way that it seems clear that it is digital as opposed to movies that try to like pass off the idea of being film even though they're shot digitally. Yeah. One he's very much embracing it's like I have a digital camera this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. And it looks great. Uh the second one I don't like, but I do think it has the kernel of a good idea that you were yes. mentioning as far as what the what's possible based on the further. Right. And if anything this film I think misses the opportunity to just delve into that more. Mm-hmm. Now, we've had Two others. We have four of these movies. We have
2: five of these movies. Can you now. remind have... me what those other two were? Like what? what I, I, they I'd I'd love like to if I remembered is. them clearly. Okay. But yeah.
1: they they have they they focus more. They, on... Lin-
2: they don't involve this family though. They
1: don't involve the family. No. They okay. involve they they spun off to be focused on Lynn Shay's character. And okay, the, okay, okay. And her boys uh, Tucker and Specs, played by Lee Wanell and Angus Sampson, who make a fun cameo here in this movie <laughs> yeah. as well. Um, but like so, yeah, they focus more on her and her okay. her history with the further. Uh, which makes sense because it also sheds light more on the further. Right. I don't know if I necessarily needed like this movie to be like, now I could you know find out even more about the further, but I do feel like if it's not going to give me, if we're, if we're making an insidious movie and you're tying it to this franchise, then I'm hoping to get something out of it beyond just waiting for these characters to remember what the further is. Cause as an audience member, I already know what the further is. Sure, <laughs> so yeah. it's like on the one hand you have, like like we mentioned this, this pretty neat, like, character study psychological thriller going on here that's like oh this is actually pretty neat and then it's like also franchise and it's like okay cool but what are we doing with that and i don't think it does much with that which is why fine i think is ultimately the best yeah
2: i think that what and again this is like me rewriting the movie script right now which is never a great thing to do uh but i think it would have been fascinating just like the shared trauma all of a sudden becomes uncovered in the second uh act of the movie and then the third act as like them kind of just like trying to figure out uh, how to kind of get through it. Yes they, that's kind of exactly what happens in the movie anyway but it, it's very um earth down so they, there's a lot of like stuff that they've layered on top of it including some scares that don't really that aren't the best the most effective um, but they're also very far and few between which actually is a good segue into what you mentioned of the scares not being like a lot of them but were you creeped out by any of them minus like the MRI stuff.
1: No, I mean... Yeah, I feel the same. Yeah, like, there's this whole dorm thing that's happening in this movie, and also, Uh Patrick Wilson seems to want to, like, take it out on dorms in this movie for whatever reason. (laughs) He has, like, these, these multiple awkward moments with, like, the guy that's leading the dorm and he's like we're going to make this a great environment where men can be men and like nobody applauds nope. and it's like what one guy does it's like the, it's like a weird agenda that he seems yeah. to have <laughs> with which is probably in the right but it's but it's still just
2: like a there's a weird thing to shove into this movie <laughs> like, okay uh yeah I, I the scares i there was the mri thing there was like the dorm thing and then there was the the fat party thing. There's
1: the fat part. There's the thing with Patrick Wilson doing like his this There's a person stalking it, him throughout his the movie. his
2: memory game. Yeah, his memory game.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and then what else was there?
1: I mean, just whatever else is happening in the further at that point.
2: Okay, yeah, but no nothing else in terms of like large jump scares or anything like that. Yeah, okay, because I agree with you that there were there were times where I was kind of like, okay, well, I don't like what's going on here. Um, and I had to like squint a little bit. But at the same time, it it wasn't um it wasn't something that kind of lingered with me the way that Insidious, the first one did. Not that not that uh it lingers with you from the standpoint of, you know, you can't sleep at night kind of thing. More just like, oh, it's it's it does. It won't stop. Like it, this is after this family kind of thing. You know what I mean? Um and they're not really able to do anything, including move uh, out of the house that they live in, because this this demon is trying to get to them. Um and in this one, it just felt like they were scares and I haven't seen the third of the f- three The four third one, one I one. liked, as I recall. The third one I, I enjoyed.
3: It had their okay.
1: moroni, which goes a long way for me. Like I, I don't I honestly I just don't remember it beyond being
2: like that one was fine, I believe okay. I recall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Um, yeah, all in all, it's like the the scares are I think they've moved away from more like psychological terrorizing of a family that you are as an audience member watching into just more of like regular jump scares. And that's that's okay. But it's also I think that's what separates maybe the first and second one, because the second one is like is about. Uh, Who this woman in black is, right? And so that that kind of adds to it. But that first one, like I remember watching that first one, I was like, "This is really good." Um, From the way that I'm, I'm kind of terrified for the family, but I'm also like terrified for myself, kind of thing. I'm like, "Oh, it keeps coming, like keeps piling on itself." our,
1: Our favorite thing was that you know. They they move <laughs> that was, right that was yeah the best part of the first one it's they, like they move, this yeah. house sucks we should get out of here and they actually leave the house and get out they of there. do and then and then, like the little, little boy jumps out of the closet yeah <laughs> shit still happens but it's like well at least they they try to be proactive. they tried
2: it yeah they tried something that a lot of horror movies don't do just yeah. like let's get out of here <laughs> uh-huh. uh, but anyway that that's why I want to bring up with the scares is like yes I only counted like a handful of them but even the ones that I did watch that I did see were were okay but they they weren't really. It didn't feel like they kind of like ramped up to anything per se. I
1: mean, you know, it's just, you know, it's the fifth entry in this. And I I just don't think it brings in any new tricks. Got like it. it's yeah. just kind of, you know, it is what it is. Right. Like I, I clearly it worked for somebody. What's the cinema score on this thing, by the way? So let me check know. on that. Yeah. It's a horror movie. It made money. I'm going to say A minus. Yeah, take a guess. Let's see. Cinema score. C plus. <laughs> C plus. Wow. Okay.
2: That's 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 high for horror. <laughs> is it okay? Because I was like, if this is the fifth entry into a franchise, people should know what they're going to go see, right? So, yeah, but
1: I mean, it's also C it's, plus. It's, it's also you know, it's it's an okay movie. Like it's it's, yeah. it's not at best. Can so. you
2: look something up? Can you look up what Scream Six got?
1: I want to say that's like a B. B okay, plus I was maybe. like, was that an A? But Scream slower, <laughs> B plus. B plus. Okay. B plus. So that's that's strong for 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 yeah. What when, than than it, when, it's, song like, song when it's like when it's like what it's B minus or above for a horror movie. That's pretty good. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> Cause horror movies don't tend to like score like in the weird curve that you have to go with. on these. Yeah.
2: Uh, I want to ask you about Patrick Wilson's direction. what did you think of it?
1: Uh, I, I, he certainly he showed that he like took notes um, yes. as far as like how this kind of thing works. I wouldn't say it's as strong as say Michael B. Jordan doing Creed three this mm-hmm. year. Um, As far as that kind of thing goes, but in the realm of, what needs to be delivered on for this specific kind of movie. I I don't think he's at fault for anything. That's the problem here. It's just more of like, yeah, he did. He did the thing that seems to fit for this franchise. I'll be curious if he does something else that's, you know, out of this franchise and has more to offer as far Mm -hmm. as his perspective goes. That's what do you think?
2: Sorry. Uh, I thought that he did an adequate job too. And again, I think a large part of it is that the sets were already there. Right. Again, we've had like three of these things and, I think that he just, yeah, he took notes from what he was performing in and what he's seen. Uh, but it doesn't really necessarily elevate. And I don't know if it really does, but I think I'd want to see more things that Patrick Wilson directs.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah,
1: I do. Did you did you notice what's going on in the credits? Uh,
2: no, he's singing in, in, in the beginning. No, the in the end credits. No, I kind of had to leave because I was like, I get out of here. <laughs> he's singing over the credits and he's duetting with a ghost. That's scary. He's singing
1: a cover of a ghost song <laughs> uh-huh. um, with another person. Yeah. Um and, and and it's it's made to be as if he's singing along with a ghost at the same time.
2: Oh, that's that's pretty uh, clever.
1: It Oh no, here I'll I'll refer, okay. Ghost okay. I'll read exactly what it says. Ghost contributed a cover of Shakespeare's sister song stay. Uh-huh. And Patrick Wilson's vocals they're on the on the track well. And like okay. the way it's overlaid it sounds like he's
2: singing with a ghost. Oh, OK. All right. Well, I mean, that's a good directorial choice. I like that. a that's a fun little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I also it. again, like I, the, the reason why I see the beginning credits on the end credits, because the beginning credits are actually not bad either. Like, oh, yeah. The, the, the beginning credits are always cool for this because it's always like something happens. Insidious, giant red fox. Yeah. But it's also like, you know, like <laughs> it's got like a really spooky, like like yeah, what earlier earlier, like, yeah, like you hit the musical cue and then you realize that the ticking and talking. It's from a metronome that opens up the opening sequence. I was like, "Oh, this is, this is good uh, <laughs> dissolve work," I
1: guess. Yeah, I think like the like again, I think the movie that this was before it became "Let's Go to
2: Back to the Further." Uh-huh. I think that movie works quite well. <laughs> was there so... something that they were thinking about? Hmm? Were they thinking about something else, or, or no, were you just saying I... that? No,
1: I'm just saying, like as, okay. far, as far as Patrick Wilson's directions going or what have you, I yeah. think the movie he was making that involved just he and his son figuring out this college stuff or what have you, Yeah, I was appreciating that movie. Yes, <laughs> I was... yeah,
2: I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I agree with that because, you know, Patrick Wilson, if you've seen his, like the movie that I thought about a lot is um Young Adult. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, I, I know that Patrick Wilson didn't write or direct that. That's Diablo Cody and I forget who directed it. Um, Jason Reitman. Oh wow, right, man. Okay. Yeah. It's their Juno follow up. Yeah. But I was like, oh, Patrick Wilson I can see why he would want to do like this father son story. And again, it does play out and you get a you get an ending, you get a full arc to it, um, which is nice. But um yeah, he he's gotta do like some horror things along the way.
1: Yeah. Patrick Wilson, another huge uh, stage guy by the way. He also he's, like, has Tonys and stuff, I believe. I didn't too. realize, yeah. Oh so, yeah, that's his background. He was a sing because he didn't start acting until like two thousand four when like Phantom of the Opera came out. Uh, that was his first. That and what the Alamo were his first like movies that wow. he did. Like yeah. but he's because he was from the stage. He did Angels in America. That was like his big, oh. big thing there. Yeah, he's um, a good
2: living man, though. I, I yeah, you know, I've seen him in a lot of movies as character actors, but He is uh, a reliable presence. I, yes, I like I when agree. Patrick Wilson comes around. Yeah, I like when he's bringing uh, his stuff uh, to any movie or any show or what have you. But I like seeing him around. Plus, his wife is a. Uh, Degmara, what's her face from Succession? She's she's the uh, the I, I did lady, I did not know that. Okay, oh, yeah, that's why he's <laughs> I was like, why is he at these premieres? And it's because uh, she's the one that's like, uh, she talks to uh, not Connor, uh, Tom at the end, She's like, uh, who's on your team now? And she says, don't have uh, our guy from Short Circuit on there, yeah, oh, Fisher yeah. Stevens, Fisher Stevens, yeah, don't have him on there. So. All right. Okay. So Insidious the Red Door. Uh, when should people go and see this movie? This is a streaming movie. Um, you're not really going to be hurt by it on streaming.
3: I
1: agree. I again I think it's inoffensive. It's not particularly scary, but I do think the no, the novelty of having this cast back. Right. I think works well enough for a movie that doesn't really ask a lot from you. So yeah. it does it does the job well enough.
2: Yeah. I'd be curious to see what it would feel like if you watch one, two, and one, two, and and five. You know what I mean. I mean, I I essentially did that. And I would say it felt good as far as okay, I, yeah. So it's it, it feels more cohesive.
1: See... Yeah, it's cohesive as far as it's the family. That's a, that's a fa- well, it's a family. It has all the same cast members, but also just like the notion of now it's ten years later. Yeah, I guess I wonder what would it be like to watch this movie without having seen the first two for any of them at all. I wonder what that experience is like, and then maybe oh, interesting, and then maybe watching one and two
2: afterwards. I think you might be confused. <laughs> A little bit, just a little bit. You're just like, what are they talking about with, like, the hammer in the door? Like, why did I need to forget that? It's like, oh, it's because that's the end of part two. Well, if you watch them all in a row, you would be like, oh, I get it now. Yeah, this is true. And also, if you just want to stop at one, that's perfectly fine, too. Also, yeah, that also works. Okay, well,
1: we talked about Insidious. We talked about Joyride. Let's move on to something else here. Abe. Oh! You uh, did not join us for our Indiana time for a little Jones.
2: game here. No. Abe,
1: <laughs> <laughs> a- a- you, you unfortunately had to miss our discussion last week of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Uh but I, I am curious uh your thoughts on the film before before that, let's play let's play a clip.
0: Teddy. Elena, no. Elena, how did you end up like this? What do you mean? Very beautiful,
1: Okay, so Indiana Jones the Al of the Destiny. Last week, I was joined by uh, Jay Cluet, Mark Hoffmeyer, and Maxwell Had to talk all about the movie, and we had a lot of kind things to say because we were quite the fan of uh, Indiana yeah. Jones and and what James Mangold did. But Abe, I, I'm zero
2: so curious. What did you think of the film? You know, I thought that it was it was better than I thought it was going to be, and that's a compliment. Um because I had been kind of not not burned by, it, but I was like kind of still remembered Crystal Skull in my mind and just thinking how uh that movie was goodish, but not greatish and it really kind of Agreed. suffered on some of the things that they had to rely on which is this character of Mutt Williams, I want to say. Um uh, but the Shia LaBeouf's character essentially and kind of just having to try and change hands as lead characters in that movie but the way that they kind of went through things was not very um adventurous to some degree which is kind of a shame even though you're gonna go to the spot with like all those indigenous folks with the painting on their faces and what have you but it just didn't seem all that that it wasn't um, very exciting fun yeah like i think mm -hmm. i think i think crystal skull
1: like the I think the first 45 minutes where they're not exploring stuff and they're like, there's like the the nuclear bomb thing happens, yeah. which I kind of love opening and, yeah. and like even the introduction of Mutt that stuff is fun to me. But the second they like travel by map, like I'm just kind of like, eh, yeah,
2: the rest of this is really fun, right? So for uh, Dial of Destiny, I thought that it was it was again better than I thought. I thought it was uh, really, it, it was a good Indiana Jones adventure story and you get all aspects of Indiana Jones, the professor aspect of things. You also get him being an older gentleman uh, as uh, this action hero, so to speak, or adventurer or archeologist on site. Um, and then you also get not even like a real passing the torch, but you just get side characters that feel organic to the story that allow for Indiana Jones to go through these things. And I, I really liked that. Mangle did. Mangle didn't write this movie, right? He's one of the credited writers. He's only cut kind of right. Okay, so I appreciate that Mangold and company. I forget who the other. It's were. him. You have Jez Butterworth and John Henry Butterworth. Jez, yeah, uh, along with David Kep. Okay, Kep, Yeah. Um, uh, but I appreciate that they have thought about Indiana Jones through the years. You know, as they as he has progressed through his life, teaching at colleges and being a professor, but also kind of knowing things about the ins and outs of the world and also the the weirdness of the world that's going on. Um, so I, I appreciate that they kind of brought all that into the script and how Indiana Jones speaks to uh, um, either his goddaughter played by Phoebe Waller Bridge or even just everybody else in this story. So the villains in this, I did. I think you have to have like a, a pretty solid villain for a Indiana Jones movie. I think that you know our guy is he friend of the show yet? Um, but Mads, mm-hmm. I think he's a really good villain. Like. His opening, not even like his opening, I'm sorry, his second time that he's on screen when he's getting breakfast Uh is one of the most like this guy's a fucking asshole (laughs) type of feels. You know what I mean? Because he's not even doing physically anything. He's just speaking to somebody giving him breakfast and he's speaking down to them. And you're just like this, this what is this guy's fucking problem like you you feel angry listening to that or at least I felt angry listening to that uh-huh. I was like because because at the end he finishes it with like uh, you know well you didn't person, win the war Hitler yeah, lost you, it you never we never we lost it but it also like the way like okay well you won the war is your life better now and it's like whoa this is like what a dick you know Um, but yeah so I thought that he was a really good villain on that front he's also equally matching wits with Indiana Jones because they are both smart scientific gentlemen um and yeah like there i think there are lulls this movie is like two hours and 40 minutes um it's kind of long i think there are lulls in the middle part of things but i think it's bookmarked by two really good uh um, acts you know the, the opening sequence is, is... Uh, i'm
1: so curious what you thought of the opening sequence involving all the de-aging and whatnot
2: uh, from what I had read and from what I had heard, I, I didn't mind it mostly because I know that Indiana or uh, Harrison Ford is like 78, 79 when he filmed this and he's 80 now. Um, But I didn't mind it. There are some parts where I was like looking to find the scenes and I kind of saw it. Uh, but other times I was like, this is actually pretty good. And from what I'd heard, they kind of like they also pulled a uh, Gemini man where they had basically, they didn't really necessarily de age him per se. They kind of just took a ton of other footage from other things that he's been in and kind of composited the younger Indiana Jones, which I think sometimes really works out probably better because it, it doesn't look like a CG animated face. It's actually just Indiana Jones from, you know, Sabrina or what have you, or working girl. And he's in there, you know? And so this actually makes it look much more natural and realistic. Um, I also did see the, uh, the masks for the stuntmen, but that's, that's older Indiana Jones. Anyway, to answer your question, I thought that it was fine. Like I, I wasn't, it didn't take me out of the movie, but I, I was aware of like, well, that's clearly Indiana Jones, like Harrison Ford now walking and running, but kind of with the DH face and like his voice is much gruffer than it was back then. But you know, it's fine. Like I, it again, it didn't take me out of it. And I thought that the ending was pretty solid. Like I, I, we're going to get into spoiler territory later, but I thought that the ending was a movie or a, A move that i would have seen as completely okay uh for what was gonna happen penultimately to the ending of the movie and i was like this is something that i find to be um uh very fitting of the character of you know uh i was gonna say harry jones jr but i forget i forget his um what what is his real name who indiana jones henry jones jr henry yeah henry uh, yeah. Henry Jones Jr. I thought it was very fitting of a character for Henry Jones Jr. who has, again, lived lifetimes uh, adventuring uh, in the wilderness. But I also thought that they used characters very, very well in the end there, including a callback that I, I immediately understood. And I got emotional listening to somebody speak uh, on the screen. I, I am like, right there with you. Yeah. And I was like, this is This is a nice send off here, including a funny little quote unquote, like, you know, almost like very pun intended, but literal hat tip um, at the end there. Just like the adventure might be over, might not be over. So I enjoyed this for what they were trying to do and what they did do. There are some lulls in it. I think that that our boy boy, Boyd Holbrook is a little bit underused, Um, but I thought that the villains were good. And I I thought that this is a good adventure story overall
1: yeah, I'm right there with you. I I kind of loved this movie. oh <laughs> you really, loved it okay yeah I I was big on it. uh it still am um yeah. I do I agree with you as far as yeah, it's long. it's longer than it needs to be. Mm-hmm. but uh, as we we'll talk about more movies yeah. coming this summer but like I as on it you know, the adventure front um and for a character I really enjoy movies I really like for the most part like this rocked for me like I was very satisfied with what James Mangle did. I'm not going to repeat too much. I'll just sure. say I I like how it was shot. Um, yeah. My biggest my biggest gripe of Crystal Skull is I think Kaminsky just did not deliver as far as the cinematography goes. I think sure. the rough and tumbleness is completely lost in that film. I'm not going to say that a 300 million dollar Indiana Jones movie looks completely gritty, but I do think it has a little bit more of a roughness to it than the previous one did. And I appreciated that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, all the other stuff you're mentioning, I just yeah, I was a fan of these characters, these interactions, you know, the music, obviously. The, yeah. All of it just really clicked for me in a way that i I was trepidatious about. I was worried that huh. you know, Steve Spielberg leaving and mangled, who we both like, um, yes, coming yeah. on, you know, might make it feel more same-y when it comes to movie blockbusters as opposed to specifically right. Jones. But yeah. i I felt I feel like this feels like an entry in the series as opposed to yeah. just another one of these. Yeah. Um. So yeah, no, I I really enjoyed it. I want to talk more now about where this movie goes. Sure. Because... Can, I, can I say two things before we yeah, get into yeah, spoiler yeah. territory?
2: Yeah. So before we get into the spoiler, spoiler territory, I think two other criticisms that I had, or maybe one criticism, one one positive. So one of the criticisms I had is that, you know, I watched, uh, I, I rewatched some parts of Raiders and doom uh, two of my favorites. Uh, weird that the third one doesn't really affect me as much, probably because I watched that much later. I, I watched temple of doom first. So that holds a kind of, kind of a special place in my heart. Um, and Raiders is just like a masterpiece, like capital M masterpiece. I
1: I like that. So, so you're like, what are you? One, two, three, what, five, four?
2: Uh, I I probably would be one, two, three, four, four, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Because I'm the same, and I, 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 it's, it's controversial to like do more than Crusade, but I've always been that way. I've always been there and been like, yeah, yeah, one, two, three. It was one, two, three, four. Then Mangled fucked
2: it up because now it's one, two, three, five, four. <laughs> so. Like, a three is fine. I actually really like that. Three is joke. great. These are
1: three, with... admit my, these are three A plus movies. Yeah, like, I have no I, yeah, issue exactly. with these movies. Yeah. It's yeah. just like, anyway. I so,
2: we won't, we won't, talk or, we won't argue about that. Yeah. But, um, there's, there's a, um, Dunn, Denny Villeneuve does this very, very well. There's a sense of like scale and scope. Yeah. In, especially like Raiders, um, um, where you get a sense of like, oh, well, this is you know they, it seems like they actually are on on some deserted island or what have you when he's you know trying to find like the idol um and when he's like trying to find the the soul, the well of souls kind of thing it's like it's hot it's very you know uh sandy you could feel it it looks like it etc even when he's talking to solid like again there's a sense of like place and there's a sense of like grandness sure. to it yeah and this one maybe doesn't have all that i like that they shot on location Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, they have to go and do their, their stuff, uh, here and there. So that's kind of one of the things I kind of miss about some of the Indiana Jones stuff. I don't remember four as much having, if I had that problem with four, because that is directed by Spielberg too.
1: Four has that problem a lot. That's okay. my issue with it. Like it feels like sets in CG. Yeah. And it's like, obviously you're going to use CG. It's a modern film. I'm not against right. that whatsoever. You're going to use the latest and greatest that you can, because it's an Indiana Jones movie. They've always right. done that, but like, it just doesn't feel like. It feels small, like you're. Yeah. It, it doesn't feel
2: big. It doesn't right. feel. Like it's uh, that's why. Yeah, and this one's yeah. kind of like there in between because this one it feels yeah. smallish, but at least I know that they actually had to go to Greece or they actually had to go to like wherever they had to go, right? Because it, it looks like they actually filmed elsewhere.
1: I think um, some of the set pieces look better than others. Like I think yes. the I think I think the New York chase stuff looks great. I I really like the ticker tape parade stuff yeah. and how that feels. Like that looks like it looks like the money's right there on screen.
2: Right, yeah. Um And I forgot the other thing I was going to say, so we can keep going. <laughs> All right.
1: Well, I want to get to this third act, because now spoilers. we're going we yeah. so we talk about this third act, now with spoilers. Uh, and I'll start off by saying, Indiana Jones has dealt with the Ark of the Covenant, which yes. had God's wrath unleashed from it. He dealt with the Sankara Stones, which uh literally had prayers being said that led to them going on fire and being able to rip people's hearts out or what have you. And then he encountered a Templar knight who is aged all the way since BC time yeah. to deal with this holy grail that gives right. it everlasting. He's light. like
2: 2,000 years old. Yeah.
0: And, and of
1: course, there's also, you know, the 50s is the alien and the space age stuff. Mm-hmm. So we have actual aliens to do with for an adventure character that's derived from serials from the 30s and 40s. Mm-hmm. All of I'm, I'm saying all of this because I have no issue whatsoever with the idea of time travel being introduced in Indiana Jones. This is so fitting of this character. And the fact that this movie's entire third act is this long sequence set in ancient Greece during a battle, I thought fucking ruled. Like, uh-huh. I was so into this. I loved how it, you want to talk about scale. I think the scale was great in this whole mm-hmm. sequence. Mm-hmm. I thought this looked amazing. I I, I really liked... Just how much how involved it was, and like, what would this be if this happened? And they're like, "There's a dragon in the air. We gotta take this right. thing down." Like all that stuff, I thought just clicked so hard for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was so into like where it went, and like even Harrison even Indiana Jones being like, "I want to stay here. Like this yeah. is incredible. Like he's in awe of all of this that's happening like, yeah. as he's like nearly dying." Right. So uh, I, I was, I was so sold by like where this film went. Let alone found it completely fitting of this franchise.
2: Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty much on the same page with you there. The things that I'll add, uh, are just that, um, what I what allowed me to go on this journey with this writing staff and this movie, is exactly what happened in Raiders, which is he explained everything beforehand. Uh-huh. Archimedes is a mathematical genius back in like you know the Roman era days, and he's trying to develop something that would have allowed him to time travel per se, and because the uh, of this genius uh they spend a long time talking about this stuff like again the opening set piece is this but also when he meets um uh i forget what her her um I forget, wombat wom. when he talks to wombat in the uh, archives uh-huh. yeah helena uh played by phoebe beer Bridge, wombat in the archives they're talking about all this stuff too they're talking about the uh, the anti the uh, anti what anti-cathera Antic- Antic- and what its use might have been and how it was created and what have you. And then they go through the steps of trying to find pieces and what have you. And then that's what allowed me to really, really just dig what they did in the third act, which is like actually get it to work. And then they time travel back to the place. But they're also talking science stuff in between, which is like, you forgot about Continental Drift, my guy. Like you forgot that there are things that happened in the in the time when you're trying to travel to, to now there's been monumental monumental seismic changes and that you forgot to do the math on that. You smart ass kind of guy, you know, and that's that's what made it fun. And then you get to where you're going. And what I really enjoyed is, yes, the battle sequence and how they are naming things dragons. But I really enjoyed that Indiana Jones and Helena come to the realization that it was never meant to time travel specifically to anywhere you wanted to go. It was specifically because Archimedes is like, I need help now to defeat these Romans. It's a loop. (laughs) Yeah, and exactly. It's a loop. And so that's what actually makes it more fascinating to because it's like a closed story kind of thing of like, Uh you can't just travel anywhere you fucking want. If you know the mathematical coordinates of it, it will always only go back to like whatever time frame that they are at and wherever you are. Right. And again, um, there's things that they find on the tombstone. There's like, what is going on with these propellers and why is he wearing a watch? And that stuff all comes back to play. It's like, this is really cool, like back to the future ish type shit where it's like, you know, it it existed. Yes, but it's not because like he traveled to the future It's because of what you just did right now. So I agree with you that the third act is it could lose some people. I don't know. I I haven't talked to anybody that where where anybody got lost. But if you got lost, it's like try and give it another go because it's, it's actually a very it's very canonical. And it's also very uh, just fascinating the way that they were like, let's make this a story that even though it's kind of based in fiction, this anti cathera mm-hmm. at least it's it could be plausible. And that's the things that I think are really, really fun about um, these Indiana Jones movies, because I think four is just like the Nazis needed a weapon to to win the war. And they're like aliens. And I was like, what? it wasn't that the four was
1: they have these. it's more just um because it's not nazis it's russians and oh, it's russians. and it's uh kate blanchett's character is just he's like mads mickelson as far as being like a smart person that wants yes. to find a thing yeah, she's like a chief of, scientist yeah yeah and it you know the, there's no it's not about like because it's just it's the cold war at this point like it's not even world war two anymore it's just like it's just hey i want to find this thing gonna help me and yeah <laughs> that But it and it's all still rooted in like because there are crystal skulls, those do exist. It's just you know, it's just taking you to the next logical step, just like this one does, as far as this dial thing. Yeah, yeah. And it's what I like about all of these MacGuffins in these various movies is that they don't belabor the point as far as what it is. It's like, yeah, all right, it's time travel. Like, we don't, it's giving you like it's grounding it in the level of reality and it's explaining what the thing is, but we're not dealing with like too much of like the stuff. That you have questions about when it comes to this or the Holy Grail or the Ark, It's yeah. like, yeah, it does the thing. <laughs> we can, we can explain the setup for it and what have you. By the time we're doing it, though, let's not worry about the rules of time travel or anything. Let's just do it. Let's just go through a portal and we're here. Right. Like, it's, I like that it's, it, it plays with that as far as, yeah, we can explain it the best we can because we're scientists and we believe in logic and theory. Also, let's go through this portal and see what happens.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. And, and that actually adds into a, a deeper discussion about like Dr. Voller, the Madden Mickelson character mm-hmm. where this guy is such an asshole and such a smart ass that he's like, I'm going to go back in 1939 fucking use this device to kill Hitler and take over the the Nazi regime so I can lead them us to victory. You know what I mean? Quite the ego. Yeah. And I was like, this is a villain here. This is a great villain. <laughs> A guy who has thought about what he's going to be using the technology for, why he wants to use it. Like, this guy who's been stuck in this fucking ideology that did lose the war, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, this is a really, really good use of, like, writing to be like, you should not like this guy. And here are the reasons why you should not like this guy. And if you still like this guy, oh, this guy is even, like, more of a fucking egotistical asshole. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I, I agree <laughs> um, um, I wanted to talk to you about uh, um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge's character here uh, Okay In spoiler territory But did you uh, it, Like She She basically is a very smart person But she also is kind of like a She's She's lived on her own for a while She kind of like is basically like a hustler in the streets now She doesn't really care about uh, as He's much Indiana about Jones in Temple of
1: Doom When he's all after Fortune and Glory that's that's who she is.
2: Ah, okay. Now you, now okay. Yeah, you've answered my question. Then, so I don't actually have a real follow. Oh, Okay, <laughs> yeah, that was your question. So, yeah, was like, is, does she feel kind of out of place? at first I thought she kind of felt out of place. Like, uh, well, I know that you're his goddaughter and that you do your, uh, that you're really smart and what have you, but. You kind of seem like you're in this for the wrong reasons, but if it is Temple of Jones and, or Temple of Doom, yeah. I get it. Yeah. Her
1: her arc is becoming the Raiders of the Lost Ark indie that thinks things belong to museums. Like, she's going she's going from being yeah. the one that's after fortune and glory to the one that
2: wants to preserve and respect artifacts. Right, right, okay. Which is okay. a neat arc to have for a character. Yeah, it really is, yeah. Um, oh, that's what I was going to say earlier, too, is I like that Mangold really gives you some real stakes in here because motherfuckers are dying. Yeah and people that you then think will die are dying on screen and just like oh uh, things are getting pretty real here for Indiana Jones like this is I don't think this is like rated R but it certainly is one of those things where you're like you know I thought that I was going to make it through the entire movie and he does not or she does not so um, I think that's what Mangold has brought to his movies is a a grounded sense like he did that with Logan
1: I, I would think I mean we're in spoiler territory so I think along with that like What I like about Antonio Banderas here is like, I think he knows he's in a cameo. Like he's not sitting there being like, I have such a big role in Indiana Jones. It's more like "Yeah, I came on because why not It's fun. Um, But like, because it's Antonio Banderas, you don't have to do a lot of work to be like, this is a guy that we need to have all this back. So it's like, no, he's in it. We get it. There he is. Like, I understand who this man is. I don't need 10 more minutes to make sure I get who he is. So by the time he's not in the movie, I like that the film very much wants to acknowledge that Indiana Jones is not happy that he's not here anymore. Yeah. Right. Like it gives you a scene where it's like, my friend died. We can't just make quips and murder. This isn't a a Marvel movie. We can't just make jokes and move on to the next scene.
2: Yeah. And I think that's actually uh, gets into my really liking this version of Indiana Jones. Like this guy, again, like what Aaron mentioned earlier, he has seen a fucking Knight Templar. He's seen his father get healed from the cup, the Holy Grail cup. From a from a, a gun wound or a stab wound? Gun wound, yeah, he shot. A gun him. wound. He's seen people get their hearts pulled out. He's seen like the Ark of the, the Covenant. Blood of Kali. Yeah, he's he's seen you know the Ark of the Covenant like kill hundreds of people you know because somebody decided to open it. Technically, like, he didn't see that. He had his eyes closed. Yeah, that's right. He had his eyes, closed but they're Barry. not there anymore. So he has some. stuff. <laughs> this is like your disc golf guy. Maybe exactly. <laughs> it's exactly. The same maybe I killed by the Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, again, all this to say that Indiana Jones has lived a very like such a such a a uh, he could be
1: sitting on he, the on the on the car with Buzz and Neil during that ticker tape parade. Right. He's right, seen a lot yeah. of stuff.
2: That's actually I thought I found that to, to be really funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's he's lived such a like a deep life that things like losing friends matters to him. You know what I mean? And so. Whether it's he's a, already, and he's
1: already grieving still because of the with his whole family situation. Yeah, that's right.
2: You so want to like, talk about that real quick? We can. I mean, I was certainly
1: curious what happened to Mutt. Like, what yeah. would be their explanation? And let alone Marion. And I like that it had a plausible reason as to why we don't need to have Shia LaBeouf in this movie. Right. Um, like it's it gave me something to understand. It gave me a good perspective on who Indiana Jones is at this point in his life. Yeah. Um, so like I yeah no I thought all of that worked well I and I think Harrison Ford
3: uh,
1: he's absolutely delivering in the same way that I thought he was 100%. delivering in Blade Runner and in as Han Solo again like if he's reprising these roles. Um, regardless of how I think about the movies, and it helps that the movies have been generally good, mm-hmm. he's doing the work. Like yeah. this is this doesn't feel like him just cashing in on his popular characters. It feels yeah. like he's doing the job to get this sort of stuff happening. Yeah. All the more reason that I'm excited I'm super excited for the Hollywood homicide sequel, I'm sure to get at this point. So let's take that. I mean, happen. Josh
2: Hartnett I can really use uh, the paycheck.
1: Let's bring them both back. I mean, we missed the 10 year this year already,
2: and I get it. Okay, <laughs> Indiana Jones being so, so here. Yeah, yeah.
1: Bigger deal, I understand. But yeah. the
2: fifteenth anniversary is right around the corner, guys, <laughs> is
1: what I'm saying.
2: Uh, yeah, at this point, we should also just have him as a as a ghost zombie in a uh, in a uh, "What Lies Beneath" part two. Yeah, or um, Jack Ryan again, and he's like a retired president. Yeah, he his son at the end of the movie, his son is is actually revealed to be Jack Ryan Junior. played by John Krasinski. Yeah, it makes sense. Shut, um, shut up. <laughs> no, but uh, Indiana Jones has lived a long, lengthy, very like you know adventurous filled life. And so that's what makes all of this, like the the Harrison Ford performance, but also just Indiana Jones right now. I'm just like, I'm going to be retiring from my p- professorial position. I don't have a wife anymore. My son is dead in the war. And I I just, I want to be here with fucking Archimedes. Just dying in my last breaths, just seeing everything that I have been teaching, everything I've been studying, everything I've been trying to tell everybody um, play out in real life, and that's what made the ending. I was like, this, this would be fine. This would be a proper fine farewell, because, again, you you're feeling all of the things that he has gone through. Uh, he even makes fun of it at one point. He's like, you're you're 25 and you're you're climbing up this fucking rock wall. And I've seen, you know, people, I forget what he says specifically about, about Temple of Doom. It's either like the heart being pulled out. Or I drank like, no, I, I drank, drank the blood of Kali. Yeah. So like <laughs> things like that where it's like, yeah, man, this guy has just done a lot. And um, now he's like the older elder statesman because he just he understands that not everything is about like whippersnapping anymore and what have you. It's like just trying to be happy in life. And that's that's, I think, why the Merriam stuff actually really works for me at the end there. Um, and even like the punch that is thrown by Phoebe Wellerbridge bridge to get him back to, to quote-unquote modern present. Yeah, well, he,
1: he was talking like a crazy person. I mean, like, I'm staying. It's like, that's not how
2: time works, buddy. You got to get back over here. Yeah. <laughs> and again, she, she is right. Like, you would have changed everything. And, yeah. you know, like, yeah, they he there's, no, but... there's
1: no part of me, well, there's no part of me that's like, this guy needs to stay here. That's stupid. Yeah, he needs yeah. to get back. Like, that sounds cool when you say it once, but when you think about it, it's like, he can't, he can't be here. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, when, he, when we're back in the present, I... I completely fell for that whole sequence. Like that's such, it's such a wonderful, like grace note for this film to like yeah. leave off with. I, I think it really worked. I, I like the callbacks. I like mm-hmm. the you know, Williams is doing the work, obviously with the music, like it's all there.
2: Yeah. Um. Cause at first I wasn't sure if we were going to see Karen Allen. Cause I saw the photo earlier, you know, when they're going through all this stuff in his hat and I was like, Oh, I don't know if she's going to make it in this movie. And then she shows up and you know, they're both older now. I got emotional for the sort of the same reason aside from like all the stuff that they do like you know it hurts here 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 which is a nice callback mm-hmm. but i got emotional for the same reason that i got emotional in top gun maverick when val kilmer shows up uh. which is more of a i feel like me personally i feel like it was more of like a tom cruise being like hey man like thanks for your years of service in hollywood kind of thing and val kilmer like obviously has had throat cancer he can't really speak anymore he doesn't speak anymore um and he has had such an uh, a very interesting rich life too and here are karen allen and harrison ford who have been on the screen for aaron and i both of our entire lives um and now they're like aging very they're very old um and you don't know how much time they have left so it was very tender and moment of a moment for me to just be like Man, this is really nice. Like I do remember when you guys were young and i and you guys still look like each other. But yeah, dude, like it was a nice callback. And again, just having the score like we said there and and the the what they have to say really added to it. But it really was just a moment of like, I'm gonna miss this. Yeah. Uh, it's it's very affecting. Yeah. Uh what else can we spoil here as we're in this in this uh spoiler mode? <laughs> I don't know what's left to like
1: spoil in this movie. I mean, it's just yeah. I think it just does the job as far as where this movie
2: wants to head
1: and how it pulls that off. I just I was did, did you guys but...
2: talk about time travel in the regular episode? No. Okay, so you guys just mentioned that the third act is very we mentioned good.
1: that we like the third act.
2: Okay, got it. Yeah, because <laughs> time travel Archimedes shows up. <laughs> Fucking Indy almost gets killed, uh, but again, like the killing thing is like not so much just about um, uh, Antonio Banderas, but also like just two innocent people at his university. Just get fucking gunned yeah, down by Boyer no, It Boyard sucks. It yeah. sucks. Na- Nazis are bad. Right, yeah. But, the, you know, the, this, again, goes to the whole entire, like, you know, Mangold is going for something here. He's going for like, a real feeling of something, of just, like, you don't like these people and you shouldn't, but also, like, Indiana Jones has to, like, kind of really step in here because he can't just sit on the sidelines as his friends are being murdered, you know? So, yeah. Um, good job, by Mangold, for for taking the, the moves of uh, kind of being more serious about some of these... These bad guys
1: yeah they're credible threats
2: yeah exactly they all they also even kill like the cia lady and that that was a person i was not thinking was gonna die
1: yeah that's the element where like she's fine like the perform, like there's something oh, yeah, wrong yeah, with I for think her too, I, yeah. I i think the cia stuff was the if you if you have to take something out of this movie i i don't think that went anywhere as far yeah, as yeah
2: i don't know why they were I, I think the,
1: like I feel like they're trying to make like the fog of war aspect of it mean something as far as 60s, like you 70s, know there's people, yeah. there's people on both sides or what have you kind of or like cooperations that you don't expect. But right. I feel like ultimately this is a long movie. We could have had Voller getting around America in other ways beyond just being collaborating with the CIA because that just seemed like it added stuff that didn't. Oh, I see. Be there. Yeah.
2: yeah, good point. So. Well, I'm glad that you enjoyed the, the ending sort of the same way that I did. I, I think I'm think i glad
1: you liked the movie. <laughs>
2: yeah, I, just, yeah I, I, mean, wanted to, I wanted to be pro-Indiana Jones over here. <laughs> I definitely didn't hate it, but I also was like, you know, this is, again, better than I thought it was going to be because I didn't... I think you nailed it, and I'm not going to rehash it too much, but just you nailed it with the phrasing of sometimes I think what I'm worried about is somebody making um, their own mirror image of something that has been a great uh-huh. character or a great story. And mangled. While he took the characters, he also decided to make a mangled movie, yeah. which I appreciate.
1: Yeah, we we dove into that a little bit too in the other show. So if our listeners listening, feel free to, you know, dig in further if you want to hear more thoughts on go. the whole mangled aspect of it all. But um, yeah. but no, good good movie. I'm glad. Okay. <laughs> I, I hope more people see it because it's not doing as great as it could.
2: Yeah, but, I mean, I think the runtime. Hopefully, people aren't scared up by the runtime. So. I mean, that
1: not the. I mean, John Wick is three hours. I made billion dollars. Like, I mean, like, people, people if you want to see a movie, they'll see a movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, some reason, I guess, an eighty-year-old Harrison Ford isn't bringing in the, the TikTok team.
2: yeah. Did you did you listen to Harrison Ford on Conan O'Brien? Of course I did. It was very good. <laughs> it was really it, good. Yeah, yes. and it, I found Harrison Ford's humor to be very, very dry and and very humorful. Um, But he says something in the episode, which again, kind of just adds to this third act element. And he says like, I'm 80 Conan, I don't have much time left. And again, that that just, when the reality hits you of it, you're just like, you know, I am sad about these people that I have seen as iconic characters. And Harrison Ford has has not been very secretive about saying like you know he really enjoys the character being a Jones probably more so it's, than Harrison than Han Solo oh easily very much yeah. so yes. so it's just one of those things where the culmination of all these things have come into play I'm just like yeah this is this is uh, when the reality of it is is uh, when I'm thinking about that too it does hit a little bit harder
1: I suppose I'm not trying to comment I'm not trying to throw you off like you no, feel no. the way you want to feel I will say. I don't have time to pre-grieve for somebody. No, no, no. I, yeah, I see totally. Harrison. I hear you. And I I, he, I see Harrison Ford. And I see here's an 80 year old man leading a blockbuster movie. And it's great. Yeah. like, And he's super also happy. Looks at, great shirtless. And he's super happy about it. So it's like, yeah. I'm down with that. I'm yeah, down with like, if he wants to make jokes about being old, sure. He's 80 <laughs> years old. I get it. But at the same time, it's like, dude's making it work. Like, yeah, yeah. And that episode is very funny. So obviously after you, after you listen to all of this podcast, you go listen to Conan. Exactly. Yeah. All I three sub- half hours of this. And because they like because they can't do talk shows right now, I so hope Cruz goes on Conan as well. <laughs> I want Cruz would happen. never go on Conan. <laughs> I want to see this happen.
2: I want to see Cruz get on to Conan. He like Conan Brown <laughs> is like, uh-huh. since okay. he can't
1: like you know have Jimmy Fallon just praise him over and over again and yeah. never let him talk because he's and, a terrible and interviewer. And just laugh you know, um, hysterically. Uh, yeah, because because that can't happen. And he would never are.
2: go on Seth Meyers show because he just doesn't. So he'd feel like Seth Meyers doesn't have the audience for it. So the, to... also would never really book a Tom Cruise character guy anyway so let's see him on Conan is what I'm saying yeah let's see <laughs> Tom Cruise do his Conan rounds but uh-huh. yeah anyway so Indiana Jones and Isle of Destiny where would, you, where would you say people should see this movie uh, I think that you should see this at least in a dollar theater but I, I would say like a theater just because again I think the runtime might be a little bit long for some people but um it could use some, some fat cutting but I think it's a good adventure movie you should see it on the screens all right
1: well, we've talked about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Now I wanted to bring this up to you, Abe. Uh-huh. We are halfway through the year. Halfway. We've seen a lot of movies. And I was thinking we should go over our top fives of the year so far. Okay. Your, your favorite five films that you've seen so far this year.
2: Okay. Uh, I have not seen as many films as you. And then the, there are still some that I want to watch, including things that Marcus has talked about, like how to blow up a pipeline, things like that. Yeah. Uh yeah, give me uh, so double recommendations there. Uh you want me to go with all five? Uh we can go back and forth. How about that? Okay. Five Dungeons and Dragons Honor among thieves. I found this to be very comical and lighthearted and a better uh movie than I thought it was gonna be as well.
1: Good movie, yeah. Uh Past Lives is my number five. Okay. Uh we, we just talked about it on our latest Out and Out Nights, Nights. episode. Uh so you can hear all our thoughts there, but certainly a film that um is rather affecting and tells a very strong story and is well directed.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, John Wick Four is my number four. Uh, incredible cinematography, incredible fight, fight sequencing, and probably one of the more clever, interesting new uses of a way to use a camera, uh, in a in a um on a crane and a dolly that that I've seen in the in the past. My number four is Rye Lane. Um, if Heard we
1: have it. if we have a, a solid romantic drama, this is a very good romantic comedy. Um, set in England, set in London, on Ryland. Right um, Two strong lead performances. I like the way it goes after rom-com tropes and kind of flips them in its own way. It's very funny. It's very lively, very colorful, well-directed, has a lot of energy to it. Um, it's on Hulu now, easy to watch. Good movie.
2: Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to checking that out. Uh, number three is Are You There? God, it's me, Margaret. This is a movie that wow. I was completely taken by surprise with. Um, and how genuine uh the the text is, but also I really like the, the acting from our lead, uh the girl from Ant Ant Man, um, uh, but also uh uh from um Blake and her name right now. McAdams? Yeah, McAdams, Rachel McAdams. I thought that Rachel McAdams has uh has some emotional weight that she's pulling around here, which is great. Abby Ryder forston is Abby, the name yeah, of
1: Margaret. Yeah. Yeah. um uh, my number three is a thousand and one. Oh, okay, uh, yeah. yeah. I saw this at Sundance and I watched yeah. it again recently to remind myself of why I liked it so much. And I'm like, okay. yeah, this movie is really good. Um, we were
2: talking about like uh, a few months ago too.
1: Yeah. yeah, you, you managed to catch it too, which I was very happy to, that you you're able to see, because I, I think the movie is pretty great. I yeah. think the, the lead performance from Taylor is really strong. It still has my favorite score of the year. I really like the music in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I think it just tells a really uh, solid, dramatic story uh, quite well.
2: Yeah. Uh, also, a story about, you know, the changing landscape of New York and the gentrification, and how it's being... Yep. How it's, how it's ruining a lot of communities. Uh-huh. Um, and again, that trailer kills me every time when she says, I'll go to war for you. And like the score starts rising. I was like, oh, fuck. Then um, My number two is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, a movie I've seen a couple times, a movie that is impressive from a scope standpoint of what they're doing, what they're accomplishing, from the writing that they're doing, but also just... How it makes you feel for these characters. I, I'm a big fan of everything that they're doing there. I, I can't wait for uh, the second part. And I know there have been maybe some production delays and there's been some. There's been no delays as of yet. Oh, OK. All right. It's okay. only, only people talking. <laughs> only just... people talking. Yeah. Nothing's so been officially let announced. Them, let them talk, as, as Lord would say. Um, but there you go. My number two is John Wick. Chapter four. It rocks. OK. I mean, it's <laughs> <Heard> <laughs> it's, it. it's, it's
1: yeah. so it's so incredibly good. Uh, I, every shot in that movie is interesting because it's so not just about the action, but about like what good filmmaking can be whatever movie you're making again. It's entirely putting that on display. It makes use of every minute in that movie where we talk about Nidia Jones has some slack in it. This movie I could watch for another hour. Like,
2: it's just so fucking cool. That movie Joker was like anymore. two and a half hours as well. Yeah. It's three hours. It's, what? it's <laughs> oh, like,
1: shit. it's three hours. Yeah. It, is, okay. it, is, it is, it is like with credits, it's three hours. It's yeah. still like okay. two hours and 49 minutes, right, It's right, long, right. but it's fucking great. <laughs> like it has a mini warriors remake in the end of it. It's wonderful. I love yeah.
2: it. <laughs> also just knowing that, um, Donnie Yen was like, I'm going to, I'm going to fight choreograph my own stuff. And then you guys just shoot it is, is great to hear. Um, yeah. Uh my number one is a movie that Aaron just mentioned uh, earlier, Past Lives, this is a movie we talked about last week on a nights episode. Um but I thought that this is probably one of the most uh, incredible movies that I've seen all year from all aspects, you know, acting, writing, directing, again, camera work, cinematography, locations sc- scouting, uh everything really works and again, I just I think I really liked how how authentic and and um serious that it took uh, its subject matter. Without going into dramatic tropes or, or romantic comedy tropes,
1: yeah, it's it's really good. Um, my number one is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Thank
2: oh, heard question. of it? It's so I so
1: I I saw it again last night because so, I wanted to see it again. How many, how many times has that been? I've seen it three times now. Three times, okay. And I want to see it again before it leaves theaters. So, yeah. um, although it's making so much money that I guess it won't leave theaters for a while. But still, regardless, this movie this movie is is good as things can be like it's it's so wonderful and everything it's trying to accomplish and then more as far as my expectations were concerned because it just blows things out of the water when you look at the amount of effort that's gone into every frame of this wonderful piece of work yeah. it's gorgeous to look at it sounds great it looks great it feels great it smells great i don't know what else to say like it's great really, it, it tastes great when you get that Spider-Man popcorn combo, like it just it, all, all the stuff works. It's it's wonderful. It's a great, it's a fantastic movie. Bring on another one, I guess. But like, I I only it has it to,
2: be, to bring on another one. We have to know I, what happens.
1: Like I I don't like I don't know what other limits it can reach. It can like break through based on this movie. But I'm excited yeah. to see what that could be. But this movie
2: wonderful. Across yeah, the uh, I'm I'm very involved with the Miles Morales character in this movie, and I kind of need to know what happens. Like regardless of what they do with the animation styles, what have you, um, I think that this movie is also. It it grows in estimation and it grows in fondness and um uh what's the what's the word I'm looking for where basically you admire things. But anyway, it grows upon multiple viewings. So I'm I'm very excited to go watch it like a third time. Um but even watching it the second time, I was like, this watercolor world that Gwen lives in is beautiful. And the way that they've decided to Write these characters and the emotions that you're feeling with these characters is is beyond measure. And again, I've mentioned this to Aaron as well, but you feel all aspects of it. Again, I'm specifically I'm thinking about like that betrayal scene uh, with Miguel O'Hara, and I'm just like, you know, when those characters are telling him to that he's being too mean, that he's got to cut it out. It's like I felt for Miles, I I felt for them, but I also I I kind of understood the other spiders at the same time. But I was like, no you guys are this is this is wrong and i i the whatever happens in the rest of the movie i'm just like i was with it
1: quietly becoming my favorite little piece of dialogue this year right now Uh is metro boomin's spider-man character being like you got nowhere else to go and then he hops out the window and they cut back (laughs) to him and he goes i'm sorry y'all he did have somewhere else to go (laughs)
2: Uh, also maybe like one of the most unifying movies of the year. Uh just it seems like everybody is everyone could agree. That's my yeah, I think like everybody like on the internet and also everybody in the world is just like this movie is incredible. Um so uh I I really like the dialogue that it has sparked, including um a specific aspect of it, which is uh black folks having to look out for black folks. And that has been like on rewatch of it, I was like, this is nice. I kind of caught on the first one. But I was like, oh, this is really cool how, you know, the, the girl working the lab is like, I'm not going to shut this down. I'm going to let this guy go. And then also, again, how, how Hobie is just like, fuck y'all. Hobie's great. Yeah, Hobie's great. One
1: of the best new characters in film. I mean, it's Daniel Kaluna decade.
2: himself is also really cool. So, But yeah,
1: just put him
2: anywhere. He's great. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Um, any uh, additional uh, honorable mentions you want to shout out? Yeah,
2: I also wrote down The Thousand and One. I also wrote down Suzume, uh, which is an animated movie that you totally to check out, um, yeah. and I really liked it. Uh, and again, I think that I think that movies for quote unquote for for children that are dealing with things that might be more um, metaphorically or uh, metaphorically larger are always great. And then I, I haven't seen this movie yet, but I, I've heard good things about it, which is an HBO mo- movie, which is uh, reality. Oh, um yeah. And I think that you talked about it. At I one did. Point. Yeah. But it I think, does it does the job. Yeah, because I think the the most interesting aspect is that they were just like, no, we're just gonna have them actually just read verbatim what the FBI interrogation was mm-hmm. between these people. And I was like, this is a fascinating take for a script. So I, I kind of want to see how that plays out.
1: It's worth checking out. I wouldn't say it has much rewatch value, but I think it it works as far as I watched this and it was stressed me out and I'm good. does yeah. <laughs> the
2: job it <laughs> stretched me out i'm good yeah. uh but yeah and, and again uh i think you mentioned um uh uh i had a horrible pipeline um and i didn't love air but i appreciated that air was like hey we're serious about making dramas in, in for theaters again mm-hmm. and i, I like that aspect of it
1: yeah on the subject of air i'll say blackberry i think rocks um i, I
2: still want to check that out
1: blackberry okay. is it, 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 you know i like air a lot i think blackberry is slightly superior okay. um I, I don't expect glenn howerton to get like an oscar nomination but he's really good in the movie okay. <laughs> I've heard, yeah. <laughs> I, there's a clip of him that was floating around a little bit that i've saved because it's so good as far as everything that is his character mm-hmm. uh but he blackberry is certainly that that's a that's one for sure that i recommend and hold on to an honorable mention um but also shout out chevalier yeah, uh, with Kelvin Harrison Jr., which is now on Max, I believe, or Hulu, one of those, or both of them, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, Asteroid City, yeah. uh, just wonderful. Both like that, yeah. Uh, Bo is Afraid, uh, which is coming to a uh, Blu-ray next week. So okay, we can, uh, on just VOD now, and then Polite Society, uh, which I think is great, and I yeah. rewatched I rewatched that again as well recently, and it's like, yep, this is this is just fun. This is just a really fun movie all the way through. Yeah, a I, uh, I, I like very
2: it. quick. Yeah. it is i like
1: i think i liked it even more the second time because i i you know i i knew what i was expecting and i just focused on the stuff that like really got me more in that film and yeah it's just a lot of fun i really
2: I, I, I also have that as like an honorable mention kind of a little bit lower but i think the only thing that kind of holds me back is the action sequences <laughs> not the not the third act one but i think just everything else in between i was like i wish that they just shot this differently but hey that's not me so good on them i i like the sister aspect for sure
3: i i
1: can agree and it's more like i feel like Nina and Zor's, her next film will probably even capitalize on that more Let's go. Just, just by having more experience in that department. But regardless, I think Priya, though. she's great. It's a fun movie. That's yeah. that's the thing right there. So, yeah. OK, well, we've gone Ooh. through some uh, some great films of the year so far and uh, certainly things that everybody should be checking out if they haven't already. And that's uh, going to bring us to the end of this uh, bonus episode about now. You can uh, find more of my work on personal blog. The code is Zeke.com. Everything I do ends up over there. I write for We Live Entertainment for movie reviews and Wise of Blue for Criterion and Blu-ray reviews. I'm currently a part of the Summer of 93 at 30 podcast, hey. which is a part of the Brandon Peter Show where Brandon Peter, Scott Mendelssohn, and I talk about the summer movie season from 1993. Uh, We've had we've recorded all those episodes at this point, but they're a lot of fun to to see. Uh, We just talked. I think the recently released episode was the episode featuring In the Line of Fire and Weekend at Bernie's too, and Rookie of the Year. So uh, what a lineup. That's the kind of thing you're getting with the uh, (laughs) summer of 93 at 30. And I don't know if you guys know this, but Brandon also does a bonus segment involving the music of that year. And I believe one Abraham Mua was on that episode. Wow.
2: I certainly was. It was an honor to be on there talking about UB40. Uh, I don't know. Was it you before? Yes. Yes, you're right. You got (laughs) it. Uh, And uh, I appreciate uh, the the uh, the time to be on there, but also go check it out. Uh, I'd love to hear your comments. Yeah, for sure. And uh, my Twitter earns PS4 (laughs) to wrap up that (laughs) stuff. Hey, what about you? (laughs) You can remember over my Instagram, Abe.moa and Twitter.com slash Waller Hashtag if you find anything. Or do you guys see that draft throwing his spots as Frisbees? um you can find all the other episodes everywhere online we're a podcast that we're has on
3: all
1: over the place i yeah. know uh, we're on all the socials as well so uh, follow us wherever you do and uh, go to itunes reviews and good good to get those of course as always yeah. as well
2: give us a review uh
1: next week's show light the fuse because mission impossible sorry mission colon impossible dash dead reckoning part one no colon for some reason is coming and that's the episode where that's the movie we're going to talk about all i can't be, uh, wait Going uh not on cruise control because it takes a lot of effort to do these episodes for mission impossible, but <laughs> we're gonna talk about it. <laughs> and it's gonna be a lot of fun to talk about because don't forget, maybe Tom Cruise.
2: About. Just kidding.
1: We'll see if we Well, we'll I'll see if we get Simon Pegg I know him. Um so yeah, all of that said, that's uh, gonna do it. So uh, yeah. Uh until next time. So long. And goodbye. If this
0: world is wearing thin and you're thinking go anywhere with you, just wrap me up in chains. But if you try to go alone, don't think I'll understand.